The following show contains two grown men vehemently spouting off unpopular opinions about some of your favorite pop culture movies, shows, characters, and franchises, then demonstratively taking a large penalty shit on them. So if you are an easily offended, pearl-clutching, whiny-ass little bitch who cries when people have a different opinion than yours, or if you piss your pants when people trash your beloved area of pop culture, then we suggest you do one of two things. First, grow the fuck up and go fuck yourself. Secondly, this is not the podcast for your candy ass, and you should turn it off now because shit's about to get personal. You've been warned. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to have your asses chafed and your feelings hurt. As do middle-aged white men do what do middle-aged white men do best, besides raping and pillaging the world, and that's force people to listen to the unsolicited opinions about some trivial bullshit. So welcome to the Cheeky Bastards Podcast. And now, here are your hosts from America, the notorious Scott Gay. And from England, the cynical Mr. Smith. Heidi fucking ho, you slap John sons of bitches, and welcome to part two of our very special three-part season two kickoff of the Cheeky Bastards podcast, entitled Bayhem Unleashed. That's right, over the course of three fucking months, myself and our very first special guest, Mr. Petros Petsilvis of the Caged Dan Copa Connections and the Game Before You podcast, and also my usual co-host, Mr. Smith. We have been taking an explosive journey through the demography of show favorite. I'm talking about the Sultan of slow motion, Michael fucking Bay, to determine once and for all if he is in fact an action auteur or just a flashy horseshit artist. You, sir, are a horseshit artist! For part two of this daunting quest entitled Oh, the Bay Nally, We'll be taking a look at the just okay to mediocre films in the Bay filmography based on the average of all three of our rankings on this movie. And now it gives me great pleasure to welcome in the Marcus Burnett to my Michael Lowry, Mr. Steve Smith, and the headmaster of the UK chapter of the Michael Benjamin Bay Auxiliary Ambulance Tailpiper Society, Mr. Petrus Petzilvis. Welcome back, gentlemen, for your second helping of Bay Hemp. Hello. We survived the first Let's one. Go. We're still alive. We're still here. This is going to be a fun one. This episode two, folks. This is going to be a good one. Controversial, man. This is con- some controversial this stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's not the slagging. It's not, this, is, this is maybe where we're going to split the men <laughs> from the boys. From the boys. <laughs> from the boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you identify as? Identify as a bay, you piece of shit. All right. <laughs> Gentlemen, what was it like for each of you to tackle all 15 of these films in such a short period of time. And is this actually a feasible way for people to ingest a director's filmography? Mr. Petros, your feelings on this? I think certain directors, yeah. It's like if you mainline their films, like uh, it's, it can be fun. Like I, I, I do a lot. I kind of get in jags of doing that with, I like mainlined a load of Brian De Palma films like last year. It's fun. You kind of, you, you get... Um, you get an understanding of a director, I think. And obviously, if you are willing to kind of, between the films, kind of look at, like, have an auxiliary look at what's going on at cinema at that time as well, it's it's interesting to to chart anyone, actor, director, like, their, their progression. Like, 
yeah, I've, I've done that with Nicolas Cage, done that with like doing that with Willem Dafoe. So it, it's it's a fun. I think it's a fun way. Like it, it depends. It, and it depends on the filmography, right? Every filmography has its peaks and its troughs and stuff like that. So I think I think there are merits for it. There are things that it, yeah, and it, I think it is a case by case basis. Michael Bay, I feel like it kind of I sags in the middle for me. But like then I find it really rewarding once you get to the end of his filmography to kind of to do it. So yeah, I I I I, I would I would recommend I would recommend anyone. I, but I think it takes a certain type of person, right? If you're really into films, these are the types of things you do, right? Like in a conversation, yeah. someone talks about a director and you go, oh, I haven't really seen much of their stuff. So it goes, I think you'll really like it. You start off at the beginning and then go, you know what? I'm gonna get in a I'm gonna get in a Sam Peckinpah jag for a bit, or I'm gonna Al Pacino. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go back and check out the scarecrow and panic in needle park and all, all the bits you haven't seen so i think for for a certain person of a certain disposition like myself and imagine the two other men on this zoom call yeah this is always a fun way to ingest someone's like body of work for the everyday casual fan probably not just 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 stick to what you used to <laughs> do you know what i mean like mm. i just watch films as they come out which is absolutely fine <laughs> as well. i didn't mean to use that kind of moronic word but you know what i mean we probably should have done this in the winter because i think i find i watch a lot of movies more in the winter because there's nothing to do you know because we all come from parts of the world where the winter time shit slows down like we did this in the summer we did this when the weather's usually the best. And we're like, we're sticking in at night and we're going to watch these fucking 15 films and you go through them. I mean, I kind of did that for our podcast already, Steve. When last in the wintertime, I watched all of the Mission Impossibles in a row. Like, I watched four of them in one day. And in the wintertime, we got nothing to do. It's fun. Like, I actually enjoyed it. And while this was a bit of a slog to get through some of these, it gave me a new appreciation and a different outlook on certain things about Mr. Michael Bay. We'll get into that to the, in our final episode, but I, it definitely was an enjoyable thing. And, and like I think Petro said, if you're a real film or cinephile, if you really enjoy it, it's fun to do either, you know, big, epic, you know, like, um, like if you like your Star Wars and to go through all 11 of those films in a row, the way they, you know, if you go in sequential order kind of thing, the way this was to come out in this, in the, the story world of them or to do a director's, it can be a lot of fun. I mean, you get to see something from its birth to its death kind of thing. You get to kind of go along on the ride and say, Ooh, that was much better than I thought it was or, or vice versa. How did you enjoy or not enjoy this slog of our journey? And would you recommend to do it the same way? To other people. Well, as you both said, really, I mean, to a passive kind of cinema goer, you know, this probably seems ridiculous. But as a cinephile, you know, um, or cineast or whatever you want, I mean, there's nothing better than the discovery of a new director. I mean, I follow directors more than I do actors, personally. Like this, Michael Bay, 15 movies I hadn't seen, you know. That's like when someone says to me, like Petros just said, Sam Peckinpah, imagine meeting someone who's never even heard of him and never seen any of his movies. How envious are you that they're going to get to see Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, Cross of Iron, The Wild Bunch, etc. You know, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, mm -hmm. The Getaway, even The Osterman Weekend, and Straw Dogs. You know, Straw, Straw Dogs, dogs. Yeah. I mean, imagine they've never even heard of the guy, never seen any of these movies. I'm always envious. Like when someone says to me, and I, I you know, we where I work, we have some, you know, younger members of staff, and someone will, one of them invariably will say, you know, every year, oh, I've, I've never seen Pulp Fiction. Or, you know, and you just like, oh, I don't wish know I'd Stanley never Kubrick. seen. Well, I wish I'd never seen 
a Clockwork Orange yeah. or Reservoir Dogs or Gladiator. There are some fun filmographies to go through. You almost get giddy. You go, oh, I get to start from there and go all the way through. Well, yeah. Imagine never having seen a Ridley Scott movie, you know. But like this, I did find this a bit difficult, I will admit. There's certain people as well who will go their whole lives only seeing directors do, like, the hits. Do you know yes. Yes. Stuff. William Friedkin is kind of hot, hot on the mind, like, as, as yes. time recently passed. I imagine there's a lot of people who would go their whole lives just watching, like, maybe The French Connection. And The um, Exorcist. Exorcist, yeah. And that's it. And that's it, yeah. And then it's like, oh, you're, you're missing out on, like, kind of things that are, like, even if they're not the greatest stuff, like, something like Cruising is, like, a really interesting film for when it was made. Or well, The Hunted is great. The to Live and Die in L.A. is kind of, like... Absolutely. If anything, is like, we, we, we talked about uh, Bad Boys in the first episode. It's, like, well, it's, it's basically, like, the the archetypal nihilistic like yeah pop movie do you know what i mean fuck mm. everything it's always like do we get uh beverly hill Co cops 2 kind of having that similar nihilistic tone do we even have lethal weapon do like do we have shane black without to live and die in la but like exactly no. yes yeah. my finger to that point people people aren't going to watch that unless they kind of go you know what, I'm going to actually dig into the weeds of a director. Do you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I'm now going to watch Blue Chips for the first time. because Ooh, I've right. seen that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I'm this big William Freaking jag, and it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I never would have done that otherwise. So at the end of the day, I mean, I found this difficult. There's been a lot, a lot I haven't liked at all, right? But I got The Rock, I got Bad Boys, and I got Pain and Gain out of the deal. And you know what? That's three new favorite movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a few in the ones we're going to come up with. Like I said, some border possibly in some of our list being in the top five. And, you know, and then there's some that are bored at the bottom that were probably in some of our bottom five. And they just hey. they just kind of like that shit in the middle. It just kind of sits yeah, there. You know we're just going to go through. There's, um, there's all, I can usually find something good to say about things I don't like as well. So it's yes. been fun. Yes. It's been emotional. It's been difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't emotional. had a good time. The best of times, it was the yeah. worst of times. You know, one of those situations. So, yeah. But you know what it does? I think what it helps does is, especially the reason we did it is because obviously when I started all that stuff, a lot of tongue-in-cheek and stuff. But what's fun about it is you now have more information than before. Instead of just, you know, being able to lean on like, well, Roger Ebert didn't like it or shit like that. Like, well, on Reddit, you know, and the stuff you've heard, yeah. now you've actually experienced it. You've gotten in, like Petro said, we went into the weeds with some of these films. We came out the other side. There are things in every one of these movies I go, oh, you know, I actually can appreciate that. Or I'm like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. But we now have the information as opposed to just thinking we have the information or maybe I remember this, but now it's fresh. So now when we do talk about him or someone talks about him, we now have an ability to go, well, you know, to have a conversation we're going to do in a few minutes, have a conversation and, and go back and forth and why this is this or that is that, instead of just being like, well, I don't fucking like it. Well, why not? Because I just don't fucking like it. You know, now we actually have some some ammo to, and also new perceptions to say, well, okay, maybe I didn't like that as much as I thought, or maybe I didn't hate that as much as I thought. So I, I do like that of going through this, of we've now re-educated ourselves. We, instead of getting biased confirmation, we ourselves sat down, watch it, and now have our own opinions based on the eye test. And all three of us have similar tastes, but also very different tastes. And I love that about that. And that's why I think I would recommend people do this, especially before you open your fucking mouth and say you don't like something or love something, you better fucking have some kind of ammo. Because back in the day, and I think maybe even you, Petros, there was a time when people said something stupid and you were called out on that. You weren't just allowed yeah. to have your opinion, and yeah. just because it's your opinion, everyone couldn't say anything. Like, if you said something stupid, people are like, you're a fucking idiot. Shut the fuck up. And you you know what I mean? You're, yeah, you need an informed opinion. Yes, exactly. People just yeah. be like, well, I just think, well, why do you think that? I don't know. I just think that. Well, then you don't have an informed opinion. Yeah. You're a fucking yeah. asshole.
I think we're living through the time as well that people like dislike the idea of things before like and we get it a lot like trailers or like announcements for films come out and people have like major opinions about it and I'm, I'm i'm of the belief of like hey it's like it could be great do you know what i mean like do you yeah. know what I mean like even if like like I, I saw someone recently there was an announcement that talk to me is getting a sequel and someone was like ah oh, the really interesting directors i wish they'd done something like they, they didn't just like do it they're going to do a sequel to their own movie i hope like, I, I i wanted them to do something different and it's like well let's let's see the film if it's shit then that, that, that yeah. have that opinion. Yeah, yeah, if it yeah. if it's great do you know what i mean like then then it's great i want everything to be good exactly know? Want everything shit. good, and 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 if I don't like something, I want to have an opinion as to why I don't like it, and I want to have seen it. It's people who kind of go, "Nah, it's Michael Bay, shit." And it's like, "Have you watched it?" Well, well, no, I haven't watched it, but I know it's a Michael Bay film, so it's going to be shit. It's like, well, mm-hmm. but anyone anyone can surprise you. <laughs> yes, do you know what I mean? Like, yes, ima- yes. Imagine people after imagine people mm. after after Death Proof, like the swaths of people who didn't like that went. That's it. I'm done with Tarantino. Yeah, and they skip out on the Glorious Bastards and the rest. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. it's like f- fuck that. I'm just. Or not they kidding. skipped out on Kathy Jackie Brown. I was like, this is too slow, and they missed out on Kill Bill. Yeah, well, I was going to say all they all the first film they watched was Death Proof, and yeah. that was it yeah. for them. Yeah, that's yeah. that's me done. So sorry, hands uh, watched. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, many many a director. Do you know what I mean? Imagine you, you watched Jack as your first. <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola film went. Oh, I don't know about this guy. I'm. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look at <laughs> it's, I mean, that would be a fair comment, but no. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Or George Lucas, you're like Howard the Duck. You're like, oh, Star Wars. Uh, if it's anything like Howard the Duck, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just take a seat. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to watch any of these films. Well, Steve and I did it with. I think. I think most of the world last year did it with Top Gun. Top Gun Maverick. You know, you go into like, uh, and then, on, then everyone came out on. looking around at each other like, that was a good fucking movie, right? Like everyone's like, and then I got Steve onto um, one of the movies I fell in love with last year. Bullet Train. Uh, Bullet Train. You had to look back because I have my fucking pop Funko back there. Oh, man. Bullet, Bullet Train. Trains. We loved it. Like I remember sitting in the theater, same thing like with the Top Gun. I came out going, that was, was fucking excellent. And I was like, I really, really enjoyed this film. Like, and then so no, it's like, was like, then you like kind of reach out to the people and you go, did you have you seen this? Because you kind of want to see if like maybe you're the outlier or if, you know maybe you yeah, fucking well, need. Well, sight. I saw the trailer because I saw the trailer to Bullet Train and I was skeptical. I was like, this looks a bit broad for my taste. I don't know about this one, but I like Brad Pitt. This sucks. Oh, that's not going to be good. I don't think I'm going to like that. And then you recommended it as the best one, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to investigate this i went to see it in the cinema and i just had a blast i had an absolute blast watching that and i snowed the collection so yeah it was fucking that top gun blew me away last year i was like oh, these the same, are fucking the amazing like, like, I'm I, ho- I was like i was hoping let's ho- more movies like this please yeah more well i went to like see this. top gun i went to see top gun at midday on a sunday afternoon i went to six it was my day off and i had nothing to do i didn't go six i thought it would be good and i came out of there and i was like that was awesome yeah and that again in there, in there, part of the collection, you know, so you've got to give things a chance. I think that's the theme of our podcast. We've kind of, I mean, we're cheeky and we're funny. We, you know, may have some things, but at the end of the day, it's like, give it a shot. And if you hate it, feel free. You can hate something. You should that's be able fine, to talk least, about it. Exactly. You, at you least should, be able you know, to describe the, why. You need that freedom to say, you know what, you know, when people, yeah, of course you can like it, but I should be able to say if I don't. All right. Now, before we jump balls deep into a pool of mediocrity, we're going to once again skip our usual monthly recommendations and instead play another Michael Bay-themed game. However, you can check out our socials to see what movies or TV shows we've recommended for you to watch or to stay the fuck away from just like you did last month. And yes, Mr. Pet Silvis will once again be including his recommendations for our second straight month. Now, the game we'll be playing this month is called Bay or 
How the game is played is I have dug up some Michael Bay movie trivia. However, some of it, like some of his films, is a load of pure horseshit. You, sir, are a horseshit artist. You fine gentlemen will have to decipher between what is Bay and what is false. There are seven bits of movie trivia for you to decode, and the contestant who gets the most right will have an American flag jammed directly into each one of your offices, while Mr. Bay himself will serenade you with the American national anthem. Mr. Petros got himself a slow-mo handjob from the man, so we'll see who gets the old... Finger cuffs, get everything blocked well, up. Well, Petros and... is going to make sure I win this one, isn't he? <laughs> I could imagine. I, Michael Bay wakes up singing the national anthem, I think. All right, so good luck to you both. Here we go, Bay or Fiction. Question number one. The asteroid hurtling towards Earth in Armageddon was codenamed DA-14, Bay or False? False. You are correct. That is correct. It was XF-11. He wants the American flags. He wants to just hear that beautiful Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> Question number two. Michael Bay makes a cameo appearance in Bad Boys 2 as a bystander during one of the car chase sequences. Bay or false? Bay. You are a dumbass. False. He oh. was the driver of a small car they almost commandeered. He is that little douchebag guy they pull out of the small car. Then they go and take Dan Marino, NFL legend quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, car that he says... I'm going to drive the shit out of this guy. All right. Question number three. The character of Rafe McCauley, played gloriously by Ben Affleck in Pearl Harbor, was inspired by a real-life World War II fighter pilot, Bay or False? Bay. You are correct. That is correct. It's even. Even Steven. Each man looking for their orifices to be jammed full of American flags so that they can hear the Star Spangled Banner sing by their favorite director, Michael Bay. Question number four. Shia LaBeouf. Performed most of his own stunts for Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, Bay or False? Bay. Bay. You are correct. Petra's got it first. That is correct. He's taking the lead two to one. Question number five. The Rock, the movie, not the actor, was initially planned to be a sequel to Die Hard before it eventually evolved into its own standalone action movie, Bay or False? False. You are a dumbass. That is Bay. That is 100% true. The Rock was going to be the sequel to Die Hard. Not the original Die Hard 2. It was going to be the Die Hard 2, and it changed. Question number six. Transformers was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Bear False. Bye. You are a dumbass. That is false. It did not. I know. I was like, what? All right, here it goes. We're going to separate the men from the bays right here. Question number seven. For the island, Michael Bay decided to use minimal CGI for the action sequences, preferring practical effects for a more authentic look. Bay or false? Bye. You are correct. That is correct. I think you tied up there, didn't you? Oh, we both got, we both got to have yeah. that. Both got to have it then, Steve. We'll do it. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going to happen here in America is we're going to give them both some American flags. If there's anything America loves, and you haven't been to our country much, we love to hang flags just in case you don't know what country you're in. We love our flags. So you guys are going to get some flags sent over to you. Michael Bay will show up. Up your asses. They're going to go next 4th of July. He's going to sing the Star Spangled Banner. And once again, it will be on our OnlyFans channel. <laughs> Sponsored by Plex. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're going to break you in half. All right. Gentlemen, it is now time for the moment of truth as we will now jump into Bayhem Unleashed Part 2. Oh, the banality. The Cheeky Bastards present Bayhem. We're now going to go through and discuss the middle five of what we're calling the Bay 
of Michael Bay's filmography, as determined by the average of our film ranking. Once again, no one in this group outside of myself knows the ranking of these films, and they learn them as soon as you do, our listeners. We will start with number six. The true story of a former paper salesman turned ex-Navy SEAL who was hired to protect a CIA compound in the peaceful country of Libya. Surprisingly, they get attacked by Islamic militants. That was somehow Hillary Clinton's fault, resulting in epic gun battles where American soldiers kill endless waves of faceless bad guys as explosions light up the night sky, while American flags wave and burn in one of the most epic military recruitment films ever made. I'm talking about 2016's 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Those of you who are fans of The Office will understand what I was saying in the beginning. As Jim Halpern, our Mr. John Krasinski, sheds his paperboy salesman from The Office to become a next Navy SEAL without a shirt in this movie. Quite the dramatic turn for him. And also, I think it's what led him to become... Jack Ryan? Jack Ryan. Good, well, he's actually. now Jack Ryan. Oh, yeah, no, it is. Good. But this is, I think, the transform transformation yeah, yeah, from yeah, him yeah, being yeah. the lovable doofus. And this is, his, uh, his is his Chris Pratt transformation right here. Now, our rankings. This actually falls... Two of us as number five. Myself and Steve picked this as our number five movie. Mr. Petros put it as number eight, middle of the road. Not bad. It falls in at number six. We'll start with Mr. Smith this time around. I think Petros started our last episodes, one and the all the odd ones. Mr. Smith, what did you like about this? Because if anyone remembers, and I'm sure some of our listeners are going to jump on our ass, because this was one of your stay the fuck away from recommendations. It was the only movie you'd watched of Michael Bay. You did not like it for its gung-ho patriotism from America, but... You did put this in the top five. But again, if we're going to be honest, you know, I mean, when you're when you're waiting against 15 films, not against 15 other films being made by other directors, exactly. against a body of work, somebody, yeah. Yeah. even if it's the worst, even if it's Yui Bowl <laughs> that we're doing, he's going to have one movie that's the best, right? He's going to have, if it's all shit, one of them is going exactly. to be the better shit than the rest of the shit. One's going to have this beautiful peanuts. The other one's going to be a fucking just diarrhea mess. So what yeah, did you like um, about 13 hours watching it now for the second time through? Or did you not watch it again? Or did you no, I did, watch, I did watch it again. Yeah, with, with the sort of comparisons to his other films, it obviously shot way up for me. And, you know, when I said when it was the whole shit pick of the week, it was just the shittiest film, I'd, or for the month, rather. It was yeah. just the shittiest movie I'd seen that month. So it's not the worst film. It still, at that point, wasn't the worst film I'd ever seen. Um, but it did shoot way up in comparison to some of the other Michael Bay movies. Um, as you pointed out, and I'm sure everybody knows at this point anyway this guy can shoot an action sequence mm-hmm. i mean john krasinski stepping out of his bedroom all oiled up with his chest out was a, <laughs> still made me want to throw up i'm um, surprised it didn't pause right there and then like some graphics were to join the united states army please call <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Just you know what that's probably that. one of the most horrific sights i've ever seen um <laughs> but on a pure intensity level uh and top-notch action sequences alone you know this is a exciting movie mm-hmm. i agree i'd say what lets this movie down for me is that john krasinski is literally the only face in the movie that everyone else is a bit what's the word unrecognizable maybe yeah well know? yeah just kind of yeah there, there, there's no you were purely focused on him and his um exploits in the thing yeah is that his exploits and his perspective of what's going on around him they're all a bit Typical archetypes, aren't they, everybody else? That lets it down a bit. This is uh, written and co-written by the actual people who survived it. 
So that I yeah. mean, at the end of the film, it well, does no, say they're, they're the, 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 the writers. Well, that kind of makes it even worse, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure because that the writers wrote in there though. This guy will walk out oil chested. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that was more of a well, Michael that, Bay kind of move. What I'm, on saying, that one. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if you've got all these people who were involved and then they're, they're completely unmemorable, yeah. and they're just like, oh, that's the dude from the office trying to show that he's not just a quirky office body. That just belittles the thing a little bit to me. It's just like, no, everything was in place here. You got a top-notch action director filming a, you know, a very pacey sort of true story action movie, and you've just that's all on the shoulders of John Krasinski, and I don't think he was good enough really at that point to carry it. So it's not quite what it could have been, but it's elevated by Mr. Bay. I feel that maybe what you're saying helped it. If you have like a, if we had a really well recognizable action star, a couple, does it take away from the story of what they're trying to to tell? That this is a team of people. You know what I mean? Does mm-hmm. do we yeah. does it suddenly yeah. become like a like if it's well since we talked Bruce or Nick? If it's Bruce or Nick in this, you know what I mean? Like even if they're well, older, if that's they're not really there, what. No, that's not really what I'm saying. No, what I know, saying, but like, does the story still have? There's the not ring? much of a story for it for a start. And I'm not saying you needed someone more famous than him. I'm just saying he wasn't the only guy there. And who were the other guys? None of us really know. James Badge Dale, he's one of those familiar faces, you know, that you see in a lot of, like... He's another guy who never quite made... He's a bit of a Michael Bean, really, James Badge Dale. He was in 24. Um, He's been in a lot of other sort of straight-to-video type movies. Never quite made it as a leading man. Although, standoff at Sparrow Creek and The Empty Man are well worth checking out. But, yeah, my main thing... I know what you're saying. I'm not saying you needed someone bigger and more famous in the lead. Just saying... You, I think you could have dotted the cast with a few more people to get more of an overall look at what was going on rather than it just being all from one guy. I think that kind of... I think one of the shortcomings of the film, like, to me, in that vein, is obviously it has the true life story and they're trying to get people who, like, yep. have got a slight likeness to the real people or whatever and stuff like that. And obviously some of the guys just become quite interchangeable just because, like, some of the actors... Like, I, I remember at one point, like, I think it's... Dominic uh, Famosa and Pablo Schreiber are like, and some of it is down to the direction and the kind of just like franticness of like some of the sequences. I just got a bit lost in who was who at some points. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, and some of it, yeah, it's just the shortcomings of Michael Bate and not really like, not that you need to be spoon fed, but like what, what great directors will do. Like you think of like a, Steven Spielberg is they will just like very subtly lay out like the geography of who's who like really quick character moments and stuff like that and like when we get to the big sequences you kind of are aware who is who and where everyone is in kind of the geographical so when the mortars and the kind of like missiles start flying you go oh that's that guy in that kind of character moment that like was like the guy i related to the most so like you're kind of a bit like oh fuck like he's under fire or something like that whereas what happens in this sometimes is you get a bit like i yeah it could either have been a rogues gallery of just like great actors do you know what i mean like kind of where Bay has yeah. gone for a recognizable face and like some kind of just steady hat like none of them give bad performances they're just 
They're all, they're well, all no steady bad. hands at what they're doing, whereas, like, we mentioned earlier, Sam Peckinpah, and, like, you, you think, like, if, 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 if this was, like, a kind of wild bunch, it would be, like, a, a murderer's row of, like, oh, I recognise that person, I recognise that person, like, yeah. in the hands of other directors, they would have all been kind of recognisable faces and, like, people to get behind. But on the kind of converse, that I kind of understand why John Krasinski is the big face is like he's our, he's our eyes, eyes and ears. And he's our end yeah, to the he, story right and it makes sense he's the newest recruit to the team so they so he's yeah, the one he, that we the yeah. outsider yeah. bear in mind before well, i'll say no more it is in my top five yes so, yeah so i'm not shitting on the movie no, i just wanted to make that i think it works because if we look at all the other michael bay movies that we're going to go through and we've already gone through he stacks his cast he can get people to come in he has great leads i think this is intentional i think he wanted john to be a recognizable face but not so recognizable that it takes away that it becomes a john krasinski movie like it would be a bruce willis movie it would be a nicholas cage movie it wouldn't be a michael bay film and i think he wants it that way because i think he wants it to be these soldiers he wants you to feel like you know them as soldiers you see them as the real people as opposed to oh hey there's John Travolta is this roller you know what I mean like I don't think he wanted that and I think that I don't think that works just because you are more in you're more into the story as you are into watching the performances like if, if Tom Cruise is in the lead role it's a Tom Cruise movie and yeah. we're watching Tom Cruise you know what I mean like Mission Impossible is great co-stars but it's Tom Cruise's fucking movie and everyone else is just an interchangeable part in that movie where John wasn't at the forefront yet he's still just off his uh, office days which ironically enough his wife in the movie in the show Pam her ex-boyfriend her ex-fiance uh, is in this fucking movie Mr. David Denman who played Roy Anderson on The Office I always find that hilarious that the two guys who are at war with each other in that show are now like the two guys are leaning on each other in the fucking movie it's like holy shit like if anyone's an Office fan that's like Office bingo it's like ding ding there's two of them I, th I, I think to counter your point I think the fact that this is John Krasinski's first kind of role into action, kind of like, mm -hmm. and it's not his fault, and it's kind of like, it's just like the circumstances fault, is it does slightly pull people out. Oh, you if might, this yeah, was yeah. like, his, if mean. he'd done like a couple of films before this, where like he's kind of, oh, there's something different from John Krasinski, whereas like the first one you go, come on, Jim, like show me what you got. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you kind of, someone yeah. who's kind of like so ingrained in your brain, it takes you even subconsciously a while to kind of shake the kind of the stink of that previous thing to kind of like get mm. get invested. Whereas I think there's like, I don't know, could you have seen like a John Byrne for or like Frank Grillo in that part? Do you know what I mean? And they kind of like, yeah. that would have kind of, I think people would have had more of an in for it, even though like, I don't know, there's what is great about John Krasinski in this and like not to kind of say, just focus on the negatives is, he has got that inbuilt thing, and I think probably why he was cast is that, like, out and out, his character Jack Silver is a family man, and he's got this kind of like loving mm -hmm. wife, and and like that immediately, Michael Bay hasn't got to do the work to publish that relatable. Yeah. He's got yeah. a relatable he presence got, with yeah. a Frank yeah. Grillo or a John Burnfall. He hasn't got to do the kind of exposition. Yeah. You've got yeah, a tough yeah. guy. Well, that's what I like about it. Is so yeah, I get it. I get it. Is that. a lot of the movies that portray military, especially American military. Everyone's a Rambo-esque tough guy. Everyone's this hard, grizzled person, and that's not the reality of life in the military at all. And they're not all like that. And what I liked about John is John brought an element of the believability, as all these other guys did, as that they're not just this. And I know, Amer which is surprising for a Michael Bay film, not to push the narrative yeah. of the American soldier. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying he's 
which was surprising to me. No, no, I'm just saying like it it was a more, especially for being someone who was in the military, it's more representative of what those guys really are like as opposed to the way that Hollywood especially likes to portray the American military. It's always like a Jason Statham type of guy, like just hard as nails and I shit the flag and oh, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's not, not the way, you know, like he took the job for money and it's what he knows how to do. And these are guys who went through this, but now are doing this you know, because it's all they learned and know how to do. So this is what they're good at, and they'll make good money doing it. I like that fact of it. And what I loved about this film, now rewatching it, because I saw it in the theater, haven't seen it since, so seven years. And watching it, what was great about it for me was that while it was very heavy, you know, American flags, like the last shot is the flag in the pool. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, we get it. Yes, we were attacked. Well, that is why you're it. telling the story. I know, but he's just kind of like, all right, we get it. You we get it, Michael. That. More flag. I mean, he must get a d- discount on flags. Like they, they just, he must wake up every morning with an Amazon. He must have flags everywhere. I'm surprised he doesn't war. It's war like, like, yeah, it's unreal. It's unreal. How much, how much fucking he has. But what I liked is it showed something that I don't think uh, even Americans know or really realize. Because obviously you guys get stuff differently than we do. As you're starting to watch some of these American movies, you see how they push the propaganda. Like, I love talking with you guys because it's people outside of America. When you're in America, you get these blinders on and it's fed to you. And after a while, it just becomes what it is. Mm-hmm. Where people who are not from America are kind of like, wow, that's surprising. That's a lot of flags. Like, that's a lot. Like, you guys are this really pro-military stuff. And what I liked about this is it showed that in this country, whenever the uh, veterans are propped up for whatever fucking thing they want to argue about, they're all so veterans. We love veterans. Everyone thinks that guys fight or guys or gals fight for American freedom. We do not. Not at all. We have not been to a war where we had to fight for freedom in a very long fucking time. We fight for each other. It's the brotherhood, sisterhood of the man next to you. I didn't go to I didn't give two shits. I know we weren't supposed to be in Iraq. Iraq didn't attack me on 9-11. I know that when I got over there. I can't say no. I, that's where I go. I either go or I go to fucking prison. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way out. So I'm going. Anything I did was for the people I was with. You know, and that's what I liked about this is they did it for each other, not because of yeah. the American flag and not because of any other bullshit or hoorah-rah or for mom and dad in Iowa to be able to fucking say whatever they want. They did it because of the man next to him. So if the three of us went to war, I'm not doing it for Britain. I'm not doing it for America. I'm doing it for you two because you have my back. I've got your back. And that's what I really enjoyed about this, which was striking from Michael Bay, normally the rest of his stuff, is that... Once again, this film and for me, Pain and Gain are the two films in his filmography where, yes, this has a lot more action, where he actually shows he can tell a story mm. without some of the normal tropes he has to fucking go through. Yeah. You know, like he was able to take two, well, Pain and Gain, not really a serious story, but he was able to take a serious war story and actually give us a decent rendition as opposed to another movie we're going to get into about a war. Maybe because it's a true story. Maybe because he couldn't bend all the truth, you know, especially because this was a hot topic item here in America. And, uh, yeah, and that's it really and it was. Was pretty recent. Yes. It was a pretty very hot topic well. item during the 2016 election and stuff like that. There was a lot. Still kind people... of sensitive issue. Yes. Yeah. So I think he did a great job with it, which is like when Petros asked in our first episode about where he leans. Yeah, you don't know. I don't fucking the, know. On the politics gets into the kind of the ambiguity and the kind of feelings that imagine soldiers have when they're fighting and like doing stuff. Is this like what are we doing this for? Do you know what I mean? Like, like John Krasinski has moments and it's kind of like, you see that he's kind of like, I don't know why I'm even here. Like, why can't I just stay at home? Like, and it's more about like the kind of what it takes to like, he's given the chance. He could, he could be at home working a regular job, but there's just, there's something in people where they just like, they can't get away from it. And it's kind of like, it takes, yeah, it almost takes the politics out of it. And like, 
goes into the mm-hmm. fact of like what does it take to just for people to do these things and like be, do you know what I mean? Like continually, even yeah. though they have an out, to just be like, well, I'm going back, going back for another another like round. Do you know what I mean? Like people, yeah. yeah serve their time in the yeah. army and go fuck it i'll do, do another tour and it's like he, he's the perfect example but he's got like he's got what two three kids and another one on the way he's still there just mm-hmm. like i saw so like something compels him to to have to do it and it's like it's quite scary like that can be in mm-hmm. you and it's like i don't know it's almost like like an addiction do you know what i mean it's almost like a, a parable oh no it is i think also at the end and again they don't really you know go into it but it feels like when he they survive it he realizes that's enough he realizes there is so much more important right now it's someone else's turn to do this shit this is it for me you could tell just by the way he was you know talking about it so but we're gonna move on number seven A ragtag team of roughneck oil drillers are sent into space to save Earth from an asteroid. After only five minutes of training, they're ready to be called astronauts. There's arguing, there's animal cracker foreplay, lots of expensive equipment gets destroyed, and the asteroid goes boom, all while Aerosmith plays over the soundtrack. I'm talking about 1998's Armageddon. Mr. Bay's entry into what seemed to be the thing in the end of the Nandies, the destruction porn cinema that we would get. Every The world is ending. Everything was going to die. Deep Impact would follow this and all these other movies that would suddenly be like, oh, fuck, the world is ending. But what I appreciate about this film and what I said in our first episode, when Mr. Bay is given a script that is so implausible, I think it may be at his best. When it's just fucking ridiculous and he doesn't have to worry about certain fucking things and he just can have fun, that's when they're enjoying now saying that I did put this as my number 10 because I think there are other movies that are just more enjoyable for me Petros has this as number 3 and Steve put it as 6 so we will let Petros lead us off with Arma fucking getting brother one of the two Criterion Collection movies Mr. Bay has in and stars Mr. Bruce Willis from Dropping a Bruce fame so we had a lot of synergy we had Nick Cage we had Bruce <laughs> there was a lot of Tarantino references in some of the films I just let go because it's not well, his yeah, podcast like, but there was some fun stuff there was some fun stuff that happened in some of these movies was like that's a Tarantino reference well, there's a Tarantino reference I read a quote where Michael Bay was called the devil and Tarantino called him and said don't worry about it last week they called me the antichrist look at it. they talk to each other so there you go I mean there's a little synergy maybe maybe I'm sliding a little bit more into the nice well, camp well, we'll we, we didn't even mention when we talked about the rock that uh quentin tarantino had like un- uncredited up on that on that yeah. script so yeah. when he was like taking taking dollars for do you know what I mean like shake, shaking booty for cash he he, he punched up the of the rock so. yeah well like you said it's a it's a bruckenheimer so he did it for you know Tony Scott obviously helped him in there because he does it also for Crimson Tide. So clearly he was tapped into that pipeline to help give it a little bit more oomph and, you know, some kind of cachet to it. (laughs) How do you like Arma fucking getting? It's... It's that campy movie that's hard to hate, right? Isn't it? It's just like, you I know, lo- it's like... I, I love, I unashamedly love this film. I put in my letterbox review for this. This, uh, I don't know how many times I've rewatched this, but I I, um, I just put, like, I cry earlier and earlier each time I watch the film. Like... <laughs> it's all that American flag waving, baby. The, fi- and the thing is, I do it despite the fact I know what the film is doing. Like, I, I know I, I, I know what it's doing. It's, it's manipulative. It's jingoistic. It's like kind of gross in so many ways, but it's like really like I, I just love it. Like there's an absolute killer cast all, all the way from the top, like Bruce Willis down to like Steve Buscemi, Owen Wilson. I, <laughs> I love great. the fact that 
Owen Wilson got cast in this off the back of Michael Bay watching Bottle Rocket, which like begs the question, what the fuck was Michael Bay doing watching Bottle Rocket? Like those two things do not go together. Yes, they do not seem like they should they should go together. Unless he thought Bottle Rocket was about someone who could go into space. <laughs> he was totally thrown off. <laughs> he thought maybe he would bring some cash in like an astronaut to it. Like you said, the film the film like makes no sense. And like it, Ben Affleck even pointed that out to Michael Bay. That like this film has got one of probably the best uh commentary tracks i've ever heard it's like different conversations kind of spliced together but like like like, like audio <laughs> tracks but you've got uh ben affleck's on there bruce willis michael bay i think are the, are the three ones it kind of like cuts between them and ben affleck sounds like he's like three four beers deep just kind of like letting rip and he he tells like a, a story of he says to michael bay like why are we getting oil drillers to do this like what wouldn't it be easier to to train astronauts and michael page told them to fuck off <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not what's written on the page baby like that's, that's what we're doing i think yeah i think it's great like will Patton as the like his storyline just kills me like that moment he goes to see his son and his ex-wife like as as somebody who yeah is separated from the mother of his child like that really gets me. All of the kind of, all of the kind of like father daughter stuff in this, like all of the kind of father son stuff we get between Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck as well, absolutely destroys me. Steve Buscemi, Space Dimension. Have I got to say much more than Space Dimension? What the fuck is that? Like <laughs> William. F- yeah. Listen, I think Steve Buscemi's character is the one from Con Air. I think he escapes yeah. Con Air and he gets into this oil drilling rig. Because remember, he gets arrested. He goes, I, I, I didn't know what that girl's age was. I really do feel like that's who that character is. There's my fan theory right there is that Steve Buscemi's character who escapes Green. from Con Air shows up yeah. on the oil rig and he is a part yeah, of Rock Armageddon. Colin Green. He yeah, saved the world. Yeah, well. yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I just think, I just think it's great. Like, um, And I think like th- th- there's there's things in this that I don't know, like the fact, yeah, like I said about the casting, the fact that this film has Udo Kier in it as a as a as a psychiatrist, it's just like Michael Bay's like <laughs> he's tapped into something. He that's why I think he's like this this trash genius. Well, when he knows, when he knows his lane, and he stays in his lane, it's fun. When he knows his lane and stays in his lane for the most part, he's he's he stepped this out of two movies, painting game in thirteen Godzilla. hours. Like Godzilla, I think was. Yeah. Like it must have been whilst this film was filming that it was like an absolute travesty at the box office. He does that kind of joke with the dog attacking the Godzilla toy, like getting destroyed mm-hmm. by the asteroids yeah. in a movie. So he's trolling a movie that is literally in cinema. It's just like, <laughs> like you got like, it's, it is a film like this. You got to be like, I've hats off to you, Michael Bay. Like you're 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 a fucking mad cunt, and I love it. I know this didn't make it up as up higher. But what I do enjoy about this film is, as I've been saying, and I think this is going to be my mantra for it, is when Michael Bay is given the opportunity to just destroy shit and have fun and we can all just sit there and go, yeah, we know this is improbable. And we don't have to worry about, like, like with Pain and Gain and the other two, I think what helped him with there is their true story. So he couldn't lean too far to one side or the other. He did the best telling each of those stories. We're, I mean, we're getting close to some other ones here that are going to start fucking going crazy. But he's just genius in this. Like, we all know it's shit. When you watch it, you go, I this is absolutely ridiculous. Like every time Ben Affleck does that fucking animal cracker thing, I want to punch him in the throat. And then you think, well, the only reason Liv Tyler's in this is so they can get a fucking deal on getting Aerosmith in the fucking soundtrack. Like it really feels like it's almost an ad for Aerosmith's album at that time. But when you watch it, even though you know it's ridiculous, 
Kind of like, I mean, I don't think Steve's seen Deadfall. It's one of my favorite worst movies of all time. Watching Nicolas Cage in that movie and the absurdity of that movie, after you watch it the first time and you now understand it, it's a lot of fun to watch. Just like Armageddon. It is, I mean, the stuff that's happening, you're just like the whole time like, what the fuck are you talking about? None of that. I mean, this is absolutely asinine. This is like almost Michael Bay going, I'm going to do some Star Wars in this shit. This is the asteroid field in Empire Strikes Back on cocaine. And you're just kind of like, what is happening? And yet you're in it because... It's just fun. Paris is destroyed by this asteroid things that come down. So much is happening. And then like they train for five minutes and we send them to space and you're just like, okay, fuck it. Let's just watch the fucking film and see what we happens. pick up fucking Peter Stormare along the way. Wait. <laughs> so no like... reason. They should not have survived that. And then his, he's this whacked out fucking cosmonaut whose idea to fix a space shuttle is to beat on it with a fucking wrench. <laughs> just we do like, different in Russia. Uh, we hate it. <laughs> yeah, he's great. The best Russian actor is actually uh, Swedish. <laughs> At least he has a better accent than he does in the movie Rage. Or was it? No, is it not Rage? Yes, no. Which is the one with Danny um, Glover oh, and correct. Nick Cage? Rage, yeah. Yes, Rage. Oof. Anyways, we'll skip that one. But anyways, Mr. Smith, this was your number six. How do you feel about I'm a fucking getting? And should I play some? Should I play some Aerosmith over your talking? Please you like don't. <laughs> no. Um, to be honest with you. After the top five, they're all pretty interchangeable to me on an enjoyment scale. I don't like okay. Armageddon at all, really. Hey, look, look, why I deal with this a lot. This is okay. This is this is. I was crying when it fucking started. So we got Sarah Palmer. Nah, no, I mean we got Sarah Palmer rocking up as Dotty. I want to. Can I name the asteroid after my wife? She she's a heartless bitch who don't care. Give me the book! Give me the book! That was the best bit. No, I just didn't like it. I mean, I just thought that was such a slog. So boring. I wonder if it's because you saw this for the first time. It shouldn't that shouldn't now matter. And didn't see when matter. it came out. I wonder, you know what I mean? Let's... Well, it doesn't matter to me. But I mean, it does watched, matter sometimes. Um, I watched Charlie Chaplin's, the, the, you know, fucking... Modern modern times about modern times about well, five you know, years ago. First, I think it's a masterpiece. You're not the first person to compare well, no, Charlie Chaplin. No, I'm just Chaplin saying. No, I'm not just saying. I saw a I mean, film that made in like 19 fucking 40 about two years ago, and that was great. So that that, that shouldn't matter. Do you know what? I I just I was just really bored, right, throughout the whole thing. And then when it gets to space, and they're doing the whole landing on the meat. I was just like, this should not <laughs> <Yeah>. be boring. <laughs> this should be the most exciting thing I've probably ever seen. That's a note I took. His movies sometimes, because they're so long, I noticed this in some of the Transformers. Things happen in the beginning of the movie that by the time the end of the movie, you go, it's almost like two movies you're watching. You go, wait, wait a minute. Didn't they start this back here with this? Like, you forget some of the stuff that happens in the beginning. You're like, I feel mm -hmm. like I've watched two full movies and they just didn't separate them sometimes. Like even Pain and Gain, which I which we all talked about loving, it was a little long. He could like we'll get to another movie later on, Six Underground, which is one of the shorter movies of his. Makes it just over two hours. It doesn't make it the two and a half hour mark. Once he starts playing at the two and a half hour, two forty five, three hours, yeah, you yeah. do start um, to forget where you fucking came in. You know, like you forget where I came in on this ride. I don't sometimes remember where I am anymore. And if you're gonna be two hours and thirty five or forty five minutes, whatever Armageddon is, it should have a lot more action than it does. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, these sort of films, these sort of big budget, like, they're not my thing. But, like, the, you know, I was just, I honestly, I was so bored. And, you know, to have the cast they've got, the concept that they've got, I just thought it was pretty banal, actually. And, like, I was just couldn't wait for it to end. And I knew it was going to end how it ended as well. 
So it's predictable. Of course it's going to. Yeah, but you say it like that's a fucking American. No, 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 Fucking oil drillers aren't going to fucking say the world you piece of shit. We're on a different journey, aren't we? I'm I'm fucking around with you. In the 1990s, and we went through in the 80s. You know, the movies of the, the Tarantinos and the guys who come who disrupt it, they change stories. But for the most part, all stories coming out of Hollywood, the good no, guys no, 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 are no, going to no, no. save you, the world. You've got me. We're you not have, destroying the world. This isn't don't look up. When I said I knew how it was going. I don't mean that they were going to save the, the world. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> like I was expecting the fucking planet Earth to explode. Have you take, do you take a nap today? No, you, no, no. You, you're the one who's a bit right slow on this the uptake. I'm saying, listen, I'm saying... The whole fucking, you know, Bruce Willis thing with his daughter and uh, him dying and all that shit. I was just like, fucking move along, you know. So, we're, you know, look. Look, we will be sending you the Criterion Collection as a part of your winning <laughs> I, today, I don't so need we'll... an ashtray. I don't smoke anymore. <laughs> um, but, yeah, for me, I, I was just like, it's not like, I didn't find it particularly dumb. It's not like I'm not being like that. I'm like, oh, it's just a dumb action movie, man. You're all idiots for liking it. That is not what I'm saying. You've got a great cast. I felt they were all pretty wasted, and I thought it was too long. I actually thought, how can this be boring? And the animal cracker scene was the worst of his fucking, least of his fucking problems. But, hey, you know. You put this as number six. This is my no, tenth. I'm, saying, I'm no, giving I'm more saying, of a credence no, no, to it. You've got it at six. The They're interchangeable. That's dumb fucking. Fair. That's, yeah, it's neither here nor there, really. Folks, hold on. We're only at number seven. We got fucking eight to go, and he's already fucking ready. He's so already interested. You know, <laughs> I've always, always dog shit. All right. Well, that'll take us to number fucking eight. Number eight. Deadpool leads a team of vigilantes who have faked their own deaths for reasons that aren't very clear in order to take down a ruthless dictator because Green Lantern was a total dickhead this one time and now feels bad. Look, there's really no need to overthink his motives for doing all this. All you need to know is there's plenty of improbable car chases, gruesome violence, racy sex scenes, cool explosions, zero team chemistry, and plenty of Canadian sarcasm. I'm talking about 2019's Six Underground. I like this movie more than I thought I was going to. It, it's moved up. If you saw my thing a couple of days ago, this was lower. It moved up a little bit. Probably because it was just a, a stupid, fun-ish movie. Like, it wasn't awful. wasn't great. I liked some of the actors in it. I mean, Ryan Reynolds always helps. Uh, but Ryan Reynolds <laughs> does play Ryan Reynolds. He, he's basically Deadpool yeah. in this a little bit. He's very almost good like at Deadpool playing a smart cop. I wonder why <laughs> that almost is. Deadpool as Bruce Wayne. He's like, oh, I got a lot of fucking money. I'm sure he's a great guy, yeah. Actually, from what I hear, he's nothing like that at all. He's actually a really nice person. This is the most sex that the Mr. Bay's had on screen. Michael Bay's going to look. It's a Netflix movie. This, so there's like three, no two, mix. three sex scenes in this. No, he's shown women gantily clad, but we haven't had many sex scenes. <laughs> That's what you might call it. Come on, look it, look it. Listen, he's classy. <laughs> we'll start with you, Mr. Smith. How much do you hate this fucking film? <laughs> we're already on the downslide, so I know yeah, we're on the shit slide for you. Um, you. Oh, I'm sorry. I have this as number um, eight. You and I have this as number eight, and Petros has it as seven. So we're all in the similar lane of where we feel Six Underground is. Spoiler alert. Did you at least enjoy the Dave Franco getting killed that I didn't see coming? Because... I'll admit, I started watching this over COVID, and I didn't get through the rest of the the beginning. So I didn't see the end of it. I was like, after a while, I was like, all right, I turned this off. I was done with it early. So I didn't even make it through. I made it through 10 minutes of the film, yeah, see, and I was one like, of I the can't problems do I have with this movie is the same sort of problem I had with Extraction 2, is 
the action sequence in Extraction 2, I said in the on the episode, should have been at yeah. the end mm-hmm. because nothing else lived up to it. And I feel the same way about Six Underground. That beginning car chase is probably one of the most amazing things I think I've ever seen. It was fun. I mean, you talk about how that was shot. I mean, that was uh, exercising yeah. how you fucking film a car chase. And it went on for quite... And it remained exciting for quite a long time. But I kind of felt, by the end, obviously, I kind of felt like that should have been been at the end because I don't think anything else... There are other, there are some good other action sequences, you know. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, this is basically like you said. This is a very forgettable movie, which has really good yeah. action sequences. But I think which I are just very feel like the best watch. one is it. There's no team chemistry. Not really, no. The basis of trying to introduce these characters makes no sense. We have no idea why anyone has decided to fake their own death to join him because he has this one bad experience because he's an asshole. He's there to get photo ops, like he pretends he gives a shit about his organization. They gas them. He then <laughs> the running around handing out gas masks. I laugh. Yeah. Like, what well, the fuck is this bullshit? Like I like is like, and this is what I'm talking about. When Michael Bay tries to be serious, it doesn't I fucking don't work. It doesn't fucking work. No, no. When he tries to make a moment serious, where we're supposed to believe that suddenly Ryan Reynolds has had a change of heart because of this one moment, it doesn't fucking work. I didn't buy it for a fucking second. Give me something else. Something else. Like he should have lost somebody in that. I would have bought that. There's suddenly like he went from, oh, and I got a heart of gold. And I'm gonna give up everything to get yeah, this data. He could have paid someone to kill this fucking guy instead of doing it should be dead. So when Michael Bay tries to turn something serious, it fucking falls flat. The fun stuff, like when they're having when he has them dress up as fucking Andre Agassi and what's her name and they go to Vegas. I like that. Yeah. That's funny. I'm enjoying yeah. them. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. Michael Bay. Don't give me serious. Oh, slow motion, handing out gas masks, I'm hugging this girl. Yeah. Fuck you. I don't fucking believe it. Not for a second. It looks like shit. Keep it fucking he, funny. Keep it moving. Tried, don't though. do something you at don't know how to do. You know, but look. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know I what? Just thought, I just thought, yeah, like I said, about the, the best action scenes is at the beginning, and I kind of get it, but then you, you, that's kind of... Just to me, fell a little bit flat. The pool the one was kind of fun. No, the the no the, the pool, oh, funny I mean, extraction. The, the that pool one felt like extraction guy, too a little yeah, bit. The, on the sky sc- Oh no, there's some good shit. I'm not. Yeah. you know, to some of the like straight to streaming stuff we're getting that like is passed off as action, like you know, like Red Notice or Ghosted stuff like that. And it's like this is I think this is a higher watermark. Of, of what they could do. I agree with you 100%. Yes, because we're we're going through the slog of the supposed Bruce Willis action straight DVDs with those little no fucking brutal. action. I think he and I would both agree we would give anything for one of them to be because six underground. I'm I, 100% a lot of it with feels you. Feels practical, like do you know what I mean, like even though some of it is like implausible, like when the guy shoots out the pool and they're all like hanging on for dear life and stuff like that in that that thing, all of that stuff. It feels tactile. It feels real. Like yeah, and he's yeah. he's a master at kind of hiding the kind of the the, the CG strength. His tricks, yeah, are great as well. His little and payoffs really is what yeah. I'm saying. And it's like it, it's that thing of like yeah, he's gone. What are the cool things we can do? Like what are the cool kind of tricks we can we can play in this? And yeah. like I think he fits into doing like this irreverent, like almost tongue-in-cheek action, which I think is where he sinks. It's the stuff in between when he tries to make things, like when we when we do some of the, some of the things we're supposed to find out where the characters are, who they are. But some of that's just serviceable to the script, right? I forget his name, the black gentleman who's in it, who's also in the NWA uh, Corey, Corey Hawkins. Yeah, when, when we're supposed to believe that he gives a shit about like the military thing, like that's like shoved down our throat. I'm like, I don't, I don't fucking care. Who gives a shit that he was in the military? I mean, I don't give, like everyone... That's just Who fucking cares? Like, also, now we're like, I'm not. I know, but it it doesn't 
fit. Like, because he's the only one who gets really a backstory. Like, we think Ryan Reynolds, after he bangs that hot chick in Italy, it seems like he has a relationship with her in New York for a little bit, but then decides to fake his death in the well, I think like, that uh, is, like i said there's such intercut things you don't go you go i, think I don't that's know just trying to show us that like this is how much, he well, can no, fly planes because <laughs> that's is how much he cares about this mission the fact that like he he basically had it all right he had he, he had a yeah. woman who loved and, like he probably had a relationship with and he threw that away all of the all of that stuff is 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 where this film is weak but i think when it is doing like the dumb when he's when doing, doing action, action stuff yeah and like that's the thing like i really enjoyed it for that and i'm not saying like leave your brain at the door mm -hmm. kind of stuff because i think i think it does hang together and it's kind of like yeah you get through those moments like it doesn't hang together as, as well as it could do but at the same time like it's hasty it's do you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah, because it's under two and a half hours. I think it's two hours and fourteen minutes. So it's that's why it feels better. You can feel Michael Bay literally going like, "Come on, let's speed up through this exposition, all this thought, like all the kind of backstory stuff. Let's yeah. get." Back you action. know what he wants to do. Yeah. And it's some of his more realistic and quicker violence, right? Like, so when they, you know, they're assassinating people and shooting people, like, it feels more realistic, right? Like, a lot of his other stuff is like, yeah, there's a lot of more blood, but a lot, you know, like, we have 27 bullets flying. Like, it takes forever for anyone to get shot or killed. And, it, you know, it's a long, overdone sequence. But, like, when they go in and kill those people in, in Vegas, it's like, bang, bang, bang. Like, you're like, oh. We're not doing the slow-mo stuff. Like, there was kind of like a... It was a nice change of pace for most of his action. Normally, it's, you know, we get that slowed down. Well, this is this is like Michael Bay doing, like, uh, a Joe Carnahan film. Do you know what I mean? This is... Like, yeah. This is like smoking... This is like him doing, like, a kind of, like, smoking aces meets Mission Impossible. Like, my, my one-line review of this film was Mission Impossible with a cocaine budget. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's kind of, it's it, 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 it kind of, it is kind of going. What if Tom Cruise didn't run the entire time and actually started like, shooting let, guns? Let, let's have a team of ghosts, like they are in Mission Impossible, but they can F and Jeff, they can like, they can be violence, they can be stuff that makes you go, oh, fuck, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, seeing a severed eyeball is like, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> seeing yeah. somebody like, holding an eyeball by the, it's like. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun. And I like seeing Melanie Laurent from Inglorious Bastards be a real badass. Just, I like to see Shoshana. Shoshana's uh, ancestry of making it down the road and fucking some people up. I'm like, yes. Apart from like beginners, that like I haven't really seen her in like that. Like, apart from Inglorious Bastards, anything that's like not a kind of like, do you know what I mean? Like a French indie film. Like so. Mm. Like, and she was fucking good in this. Like she was excellent in this. Yeah, yeah. sexy as shit. Uh, I really like. Um, is it? Uh, what's his name? The guy who plays her yeah, lover Manuel kind of Garth thing in it. <laughs> yeah, he was good too. Yeah, just this kind of unhinged. Like he's great, and like, I, lo I love the humor that runs throughout this. Like the thing where his gas mask is broken, and he's got the like he's got the laughing. Yeah. and he's laughing in the shootout. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I was saying. That's what Michael Bay is good at: some funny humor with crazy action. The serious stuff, it just doesn't work, which is what, basically what we're all saying here is the intercut stuff where we have to do the middle of the road, find out who they are, no one gives a fuck about. Honestly, I was like, well, who cares? Just keep going to the action because it was a, like it was an enjoyable Netflix watch. It's one of those, if you watch this in January when it's cold outside, you're going to enjoy yourself. Before I forget, I'd just like to send a shout out to my friend Andy, who I work with, because he downloaded all these Michael Bay movies for me. I'm so fucking glad I didn't have to pay for any of them. So I just <laughs> want to shout out to him. And I will now have to edit that so Andy doesn't have Interpol <laughs> kicking down his fucking door and arresting him later this evening. <laughs> <laughs> Probably knowing you, you you couldn't remember a face. <laughs> <Shit, like. laughs> no, fuck. But um, 
But yeah, I don't uh, know. Fake his own death and li- li- <laughs> live as a ghost. Where's his gas mask? Do you know what? I just felt it is very elaborate for something so irreverent. Some great action sequences, no question. But, you know, this is Michael Bay. You know, it's kind of like that's what you're going to come to expect. You know, like I say, after the top five, there's a big fucking drop, is what I'm saying. So all these films, the Armageddons and the, you know, Six Underground and, yeah, and we're, I'm, we're I'm a little bit we're like, here. you know what, they're one and done's for me, a lot of these movies. That's fair. I think there's a lot of these movies that, there's a few that I'd probably go back and watch again or introduce someone to and watch. There's a lot that I... That'll be it. Yeah. I, I shot one. I think, I, think, I think Six Underground, to kind of put the, like, the final word on it, is beers, pizza, a couple of mates having a fun time. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're, if, if you're kind of s- sitting around, like you, you, you've maybe watched a couple of movies already, it's like get, get, getting late, you kind of want to have a chat as well as kind of like, do you know what I mean? Like have a movie on. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect kind of like, background. If you're going to throw this into it, if you're going to do a Netflix podcast on action movies, this and the extraction films are, are fun movies that you can be like, yeah. you know, that's actually pretty decent. They actually did yeah, a good job definitely. with these. Yeah. I would, you know, throw them in that, in that pool. Well, at least the action feels tactile and actually. Yeah. Question. Oh, the action is fantastic. Hit, in you yeah. actually, do you know what I mean? You fucking went and go. That car chase at the beginning, man, is fucking awesome. I would love to be there for half the stuff he. Like, I would love to be on set for the days that he does these action scenes in the. Because all his car chases end violently, and I would love to just be there to watch them happen. They've got to be a spectacle under themselves. Like, I would love to sit there to see uh, them do the Inglorious Bastard opening scene just to see how Tarantino does dialogue. I would love to be on set to see how Michael Bay pulls off some of this action shit because you're like because let's be honest no one else no. is trying this no, shit and, or at least doing it well he's you know, he's I mean, there's a great bit in the, in the, sky, yeah. the skyscraper pool thing where, yeah. where the, when that thing comes down the parkour guy the British guy he, fr- he, throws, the <laughs> yes, ju- he yes. throws the Korean guy off the fucking building and then when they're, they're driving the car and it, and it just cuts to the fucking Korean guy landing on top of their car as they drive away. And at the beginning in the car chase, when they fire the bazooka and the rocket goes through that wind, the car window and, and like <laughs> smacks the guy in the cheek as it goes out and blows. Yeah. There's some, you know, he, he really has got some ideas, you know, there's some great ideas mm-hmm. for, for payoffs that are going to look so great. So, you know, like I say, you know, there's a big drop. These are one and dones, but they've got their moments. They're watchable. They keep you, yeah. they keep you um, interested. Interested for, you know, for, for some like, of it. You know, yeah. it's a Netflix movie. You ain't got a fucking move. You press a button on your remote yeah. and you're watching this movie. What do you want, you know? Yeah. And I'll give him credit. He gets some actors in it that keep you in it. Yeah. You know, that you just, you, you, they get a performance. You're like, you know, I'm, I'm stuck in this because Ryan Reynolds is so good. One movie I thought would be one and done for me, but is not. Is now number nine. And this is going to be fun. Number nine. Two brothers in spirit, but not in blood, rob a bank on a whim because one of them keeps getting hung up on by their insurance company. Shit goes tits up in this kindergarten version of Heat as they're forced to hijack an ambulance that's carrying a cop they shot to escape. What follows is a never-ending car chase through the streets of LA with more demolished police cars and public property damage than any police force would ever allow. Not to mention a ridiculous high-stakes medical procedure is performed at high speeds with vehicles demolition derbying all around them. It's a movie for people who found Heat to be too mentally taxing. I'm talking about 2022's Ambulance. My little tongue-in-cheek thing is aimed at my friend Petros, who picked this as his number one movie. Steve has it as nine. I have it at 13. So as I said, I did not put it at the bottom. There are two movies far worse. And I'll start real quick. I shit on this film. I saw it in the theater. I hated it. I watched it again. Much like what, what we talked about with Six Underground and others, when there's action, like I can't, I cannot 
take away from Mr. Bay his ability to do action. And the words about to come out of my mouth now before I finish this are gonna surprise some people. He may be one of the best action directors around. Whether his movies and other stuff in the movies are great, when it comes to action, I would gladly go toe-to-toe with other people to say who in the game of action is doing action sequences better than Michael Bay or aren't inspired by the ones he does. Now, are they great? I mean, are the rest of the movies good? No. Some of them are just dog shit awful, and we're going to get to some of those. But when it comes to action, there are times I'm sitting there, I'm going, is this practical CGI? And then I'm thinking, how the fuck did they pull this off? And you just, you have to at least be enamored by how he's doing the action. Because as I'm sure my friend, Mr. Petros knows, and also you, Steve, you and I, we have watched some movies where they're direct to DVD and they're just supposed to be these action fairs and they're fucking awful. There is no fucking action in them. There's none. All the money that they're pulling in is going to the fucking stars who are all decaying and aren't doing anything and you just want their names so people sit down and you go, oh, okay, there's no action. We've seen a ton of movies so far with Bruce Willis in it and not a fucking action. He's an action star and none of the fucking action he's doing. And you're like, why the fuck is he in it then? If you're going to at least put him in, at least have him do five minutes of action. So I will give Mr. Fucking Bay credit at least if you go to his movies. And even if you walk in going, that was fucking awful. You can at least go, you know what though? There was at least some fucking action that made me go fucking, holy shit, he's doing action. So that being said, the reason I don't like Ambulance and have never liked Ambulance is it's a wannabe heat ripoff and he tries to make it too serious. We get a whole bunch of early shit. I don't fucking care about the. Again, it's a soldier and none of the things that's going on is, is real. The, the insurance companies don't hang up on you like this. He's talking to them, I think it's 6 a.m. in the morning anyway. Like everything the setup is ridiculous just to get to this robbery. Basically, the story he had was we're going to rob a bank and then we're going to do the escape and we're going to do it different than heat, but I want it to be like heat. I can appreciate some of the action, like even the um, the robbery scene and the, the shootout in the streets and the one guy getting his legs run over and he goes, and then he looks up at the guy, what'd you do to my legs? Like there's some moments I can appreciate, but most of the setup is fucking ridiculous. The pers- medical procedure is fucking ridiculous. The difference between this and Bad Boys 2 is Bad Boys 2 knew it was a fun movie. Ambulance does not know it's a fun movie. Ambulance takes itself seriously. I don't care what anyone says. Michael Bay is taking this very seriously. He's, he's trying to pull his own heat. He's like, this is my heat. He doesn't do the normal trash stuff. We don't have the normal fun banter between two people. Now, Jake Gyllenhaal and them are good. I mean, they're good actors, and I, I can't take that away. I love Jake. I, Jake is unhinged in this. But the whole moment that's supposed to be fun between him and his brother, who we're supposed to believe that Jake's fucking shitty-ass dad, who we never really see anything of, he's the white knight shaming armor, saving the poor black child. He's the old 1990s movies where there's the one white teacher coming into the ghetto to save those unfortunate souls who aren't white. Bullshit story that we're fed. And then they're sitting there in the truck, and they're listening to Christopher Cross sailing. And I'm supposed to buy this bullshit? Now, as I've learned, and as I'm learning, I know I see Petros shaking his head, but it's okay. I agree with you, Petros. He is good at trash stuff. I don't think he's trying to be trash in this. I think he's trying to be serious. Because his trash stuff, we've already watched. We already watched the ridiculousness of Six Underground, which he did before this film. That's just, tra- he just was fucking fucking. We're going to do all this fun shit. He had them dress up as fucking Andre Agassi in Vegas, which is a direct reference to Vegas because Andre Agassi lives in his from Vegas. So that whole thing was a fun tongue-in-cheek moment. There was no fun tongue-in-cheek moment in this. There's some fun, you know, I mean, I can only imagine with the traffic that L.A. has, how much people were pissed, that the, how much of this is they had to shut down of their highways to pull off some of these action sequences with his cars and stuff. That must have drove the people of L.A. fucking nuts. And the L.A. bridge thing, I've seen the background of that and when they did the, you know, the L.A. River thing and all this other stuff. But majority of this is just, I mean, it's like we got to stay away from the hospitals. And at the end of the movie, we got to go to the hospital. It's like, ugh. 
It's just, it's just pointless. There's no point to this movie. This movie does not need to exist. Heat, we already got heat. Heat was perfect. This ambulance, even getting in the ambulance is pointless. And then the guy leaves the gun. All the stuff that happens is so fucking ridiculous, but not trying to be ridiculous. It's trying to be very pro-cop, pro-all this stuff. It was fucking ridiculous. Like, that ambulance is speeding, and when they think the cop has died, they're going to shoot the two drivers because a cop has died. <gasps> oh, no. Back the blue. Oh, no. And then, like, fuck the girl who's in there, too? Because a cop died doing his job? This bitch is trying to save him? Just performed a fucking surgery because some schmo whacking his dick on the fucking golf course says, oh, I think she's probably dead, which she would have been dead. But anyways, they're going to shoot two guys driving at high speed to get back at them. They're going to let this ambulance flip uncontrolled through downtown traffic. Half this chase wouldn't have even happened. OJ Simpson was in thoughtful to be a, a killer, and they pull everything back and drive slow against him. This one is Demolition Derby Central. They're, they're killing everyone they can. And I love the one time the guy, who's a great actor who played the head of the whatever, he's like, did anybody get hurt? Did anybody get hurt? 37 cars exploded, half your forces died, and you've killed a bunch of people. So I will now allow Petros to tell me why it's a great trash, amazing movie of all time. But in my opinion, this is dog fucking Shit, because Michael Bay tried to make a serious heat wannabe. If he had just gone with fucking fun, if the two guys were fun and had fun banter or something like that, I could have enjoyed this a lot more. But once it started to become serious and tried to be heat, he fucking lost me. And in the second time around, Petros, I'll be honest, I tried to go into this, leaving everything down, and I actually think I would hated it more the second time. But Mr. Petros Vassilovis, I will now yield the floor, and I will not say anything because I will let you... Tell me why I'm wrong in your opinion, and that's where we find that's why you're here. For this movie alone, folks, he's only here for this movie. The rest of this shit is just window dressing, so we can argue about ambulance. Well, let me let me ask you, let me let me posit this whole thing by asking you a question, Scott. That, that yeah, question no, no, is, ahead, please. What are you doing for your second series of uh the Tarantino? You mean the second season? What are you doing for your second season of the Tarantino podcast? For the second season, we are going through all the influences of the films that Tarantino... Well, not all of my podcasts. I picked two influences for each film that I try to find the films that have a little more heavier influence in them than the rest. But that hasn't always happened. Uh, Mr. Smith was on one. We actually changed from Navajo Joe to oh, the, bride, <laughs> the Bride Wore Black. So we, we, we've shifted a few times that they, because Neville Joe actually only had some, like uh, the axe throwing scene in Kill Bill 1 and really some music. So it didn't really parlay as much and it would have been a waste of a film to watch, not because it's a bad film. But what is Tarantino yes, like really famous for in, 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 in his films? Like what's one, of the, what's one of the things that like he is famed for? And this is a rhetorical question. I'll answer that right now. It is stealing things from other films. Repurposing them. You're right, and he it's does it homage. Better. It homage. He does it homage. So you don't think and at he all usually does it that that this film is a massive homage to uh, Heat. It's it's tongue in cheek playing on Heat. It is it is totally that the film opens with like there's an early gambit in this film where two pol policemen are in a car and one of them asks the other one, oh, like he, he quotes. Uh, Sean Connery in The Rock and says, oh, yeah, you must know that, The Rock. And he's like, oh, what, the actor? He's like, no, the film. The fact that Michael Bay in his own film has got characters talking about That's his own fine. film I'm, I'm with is it. 
massively tongue in cheek. The whole film, yeah, it does have stuff where it like it has set dressing of uh people like the the serious stuff with uh Yahya Abdul Mateen the second's character Will Sharp. All of that, like with Six Underground, that is just kind of getting that out of the way to get to the fun stuff. As soon as we get in the ambulance and start, sh- shit starts going haywire, it is ridiculous. This film is a kind of trash masterpiece in the way that it, it utilizes modern technology in the way of drones to kind of do stuff that I've never like. I, I haven't I haven't seen on screen before, and I had yeah, I had the most fun I had in the cinema last year watching this film because one, I went in with no preconceived notions of hey, I just thought. You know what? Like Steve said about uh, Bullet Train earlier, I went in. This film's playing. I'm gonna go watch it. I laughed. I like. I kind of yipped and hurrayed like throughout it, and I was just. I just found it an absolute hoot from start to finish. Like you said, Jake Gyllenhaal is massively unhinged. Oh, I love. I love him. I mean, he's he's like I said. Whether these are good movies or not, usually he gets really great performances. Even if the movie's garbage and you don't like it, some of the people in it really do pull performances. Even if it's the most ridiculous thing. I mean, we watch, and Petros has to do it too, we've watched films where no one's acting. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, the movie is also hindered by the fact that no one's acting in them. And at least I will give Bay credit. is like, at least they're acting. Yeah. Even if I don't like the movie, they're fucking acting. Well, the fact that like a lot of this takes place in an ambulance and he makes that makes that thrilling and exciting and it's not kind of drab and dull as it, as it could be the fact that it kind of like and you never think for a moment it feels like the camera is in that ambulance it doesn't feel like do you know what I mean like it's not like the the kind of oh yeah i'm i'm not, i'm not debating his technical merits of his being able to his being able to film i think the technical merits and the kind of the kind of all of that like is sums of the part that make the whole great is the fact that like on like he's kind of doing stuff technically and it kind of is kind of awe inspiring to kind of watch it and the, the fact is yeah loads of films like you're kind of using real logic to take apart of a film that is not playing with real logic it's using cinema the fact that it is going you all know heat well this is my version of heat right now do you know what I mean even down to the masks they're, they're wearing even down to like the the kind of setup of it and stuff like that of course he's doing he's going fuck it do you know what I mean? The way that Tarantino went, the the scene from, is it sit, uh, City on Fire? City on Fire, I'm using that as a jumping yeah, off point uh, for the yeah. rest of my movie. I'm using heat as a kind of jumping off point and going, what if that heat chase went differently? Same way, people at the same time, Michael Bay will be given the shitty end of the stick. People go, he's just ripping off heat. Christopher Nolan does it. People go, wow, look. Oh no, trust me. Steve helps back me up when it's Tarantino. If there's anyone who gets the most shit, for anything. It's Tarantino. And Tarantino, his biggest problem is he tells people he's doing it and people still give him shit for it as if he's like pretending he doesn't do it. So no, I know what you mean. Yes. My problem isn't that he's ripping off heat. My problem is, is like I said, and I prefaced this in the very first episode so that when we got to this, you would at least see where I'm coming from. When Mr. Bay does a movie and he's not trying to be serious, it's fun. Well, I don't think he's crap. trying to be serious. Or 600 grand. I don't think he's trying to be serious. Dude. I think he is. Everything is a very serious, like the surgery and the whole thing. I, I just think it's the all, there's no tongue-in-cheek the, funny oh, moment. come on. The fact that there's, there's two, where, two where, surgeons. Where's the laughs? Where are the laughs that we normally there's have? There's two surgeons on a golf course. Advice. That is hilarious. I get this. You're right. It's absolutely, completely insane and bonkers. Agreed. 
However, he doesn't want you to feel it's insane, Marcus. He wants you to feel he's putting together a heat, but just different, uh, like heat on well, cocaine. That is, that, that, There's no funny that moments. Is all down to, that, What's the that is where's all down the laugh? To what you bring to it, right? You, you come I agree, with, but I'm just saying, of the other movies folded. we've watched, where's you've the come laugh? In arms folded, going impress, impress me. Actually, I went into the movie because it was in April of last year. So it's you know it's in the dead season, right? So it's it's so I went to see it because like you know what? There's nothing else out. So I went to see it. I was like, yeah. Actually, I think I saw it the week after everything, everywhere, all at once. I think it came out the exact weekend after that, at least here in the States. So I went to see it. And I wasn't going to compare the two films. Don't don't get me wrong. That wasn't what I was doing. But it was the only other movie really coming out. You know, I was like, I don't want to keep seeing the same old jump scare horror movies that come out all winter long. I want to see something different. And I was like, you know what? I know it's a Michael Bay film. Let's go see what it's going to be. So I went in with no pre preconception. I had no idea. I just knew that there was some kind of thing. We had to go into ambulance. I didn't really know what else was going to happen in this story. We'll bring in Mr. Smith real quick because he is the outlier actually right now because he doesn't, he has never oppressed, expressed his opinion to, at least not to me, maybe he has to Pedro's, your feelings on, on ambulance. Where, where, where do you sit? Besides that everything after five is shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> Besides everything after five is shit. We get that. We know that we just keep getting further down your shit pile. Just where does, where do you actually okay, right. about it? Um, I can't believe either. Of, I, you're both wrong in your own ways, right? Right. Firstly, let's get one thing straight. This film is fucking garbage. All right. It's not a heat ripoff. It's just a shitty movie. Jake, Jack, Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal, yep. He is incredible. Actually, one of the questions was the most implausible action. The most implausible action of this movie is me having to buy him as a fucking tough guy, all right? He's fucking <laughs> ter- He's terrible. You'll be able to help me with this, Scott, because you're, you're an American. What's that thing they throw across the street to stop cars going past? The spiky thing. Oh, Where the, spikes, the fuck yeah. were they? Yeah, we have those right? yeah. Movie ends after about 12 minutes, okay? Thank you very much. It's just a bad fucking movie. I mean, I understand. Like, you're, you're giving it all this, like, it's like, he's, he's seen heat, he wants to do his version, but he's out of his depth. You're saying, no, this is a playful, fun movie. It's neither of those fucking things, okay? It's not fun. <laughs> it's not a barrel of laughs. It's not a chuckle. It's not a heat rip. I wish it was a fucking heat rip off. Look, Michael Bay can shoot an action scene, yeah? But there is no such thing. As a good two-hour action scene. There isn't... An, there, how, how much action is there? You feel like you're in the ambulance. That's the fucking problem. I'm in a fucking... I'm in a four-foot-by-four-foot four room with some coups and the fucking guy who I'm supposed to buy is fucking Tony Montana who's bug-eyed as fuck and he cannot be bought as a bad, tough guy. Okay? This is a shit movie, all right? Instantly forgettable. No, the only fucking idiots talking about it are you two cunts, all right? <laughs> <laughs> this film's forgotten already, you know? Oh, oh, oh it's so a heat rip-off. If you want to watch it, do you know what? If you want to watch a heat rip-off, Den, Den of Thieves, all right? Starring one of the guys from 13 Hours. That's a heat rip-off. And Shock Horror is pretty fucking good as well. This movie, what, there's a bank robbery in it, so it's a heat homage. No. Well, to fucking quote Alfred Hitchcock, less homage, more fromage. So fuck this movie <laughs> and just come on, man. Get a and fucking... fuck me. Yeah. Fuck uh, fuck Steve, God, in. Fuck. Steve comes in just he, he's like that. He's like the uh, the the father. You're a fucking <laughs> asshole. Go to your room. You're a fucking asshole. Go to your well, room. I don't care what you're arguing about. I'm tired of hearing it. Fuck off. That's like the audio equivalent of you coming in and like bashing our heads together. <laughs> 
I mean, like, yeah. Well, that's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to look. I'm just trying to beat some sense in here, okay? Like, look, I've bitten my lip so far, but I, I had to... I, you did. I knew I, something was coming because you were sitting back and the mic was obviously... Like, oh. on my head for the last 20 minutes while having to listen to this shit, right? <laughs> I can't... Look, I respect <laughs> you both, you guys, to the end. But number one? Are you fucking... Are you special? Uh, you, <laughs> you like dribbling. You fucking dribbler. It's interesting. Here's the fun about all our number ones. Like mine was Transformers. You guys had it middle to the bottom. Yours was Bad Boys. We had it to the middle. It's similar. It was just weird that all of us had a one. Everyone else was like, yeah, mm, listen, no, I'm I think being, you're definitely obviously wrong I'm on being this one. <laughs> Petros thinks this is his number one Michael Bay movie. Of course, it is his number one movie, if you think so. Of course it is. I'm just fucking with you. It's all in the spirit of it, right? Of course it is. I Look, but honestly. This is what's fun, is we can have an argument and still be friends like it doesn't have to end in if you don't agree with me fuck <laughs> you and everyone you know you and i don't agree on half yeah, of things absolutely no it's I perfectly know. fine I, and we still I, we still I, record you know what i mean that's what i love about the community that we have is we can all bust each other's balls petros is our guest here i'm being i'm being too shitty and look he's on for this he's on yeah, for this, yeah, very, no, no, I this know that, and he should be and i appreciate his i will bang the drum for this film till love it, it. God Till the bless cows you come home. The... And like the thing is, like every every movie is somebody's favorite movie. Mm -hmm. I totally Agreed. admire. I totally Even admire what you're saying. I get, I, totally I, get a lot, I, I get a lot out of this. Like I do. I do <laughs> find it. I, I do find it fun. I do. You, find it fun. Scott's been too kind. Oh, I love it. You know what? No, no. You know why? Because. It's not that I've been too kind. Is I've had not an epiphany, but I have um, a moment of clarity. I'm growing up like you a little bit, Steve. Uh, no, a little bit like you. You know, like we, you were so hard on some movies, and you go, you know what? Sometimes I need reappraisal. So I went back into it, and I've watched all these films with different, with a different mindset than what I would normally. If people would probably think on this podcast, everything was going to be you yeah, fucking whole shit. Eyes. like everything I would say, but that's no, not no, the no. truth. That is not the truth. And I do enjoy his action. I just find, like I said, he tries to be serious. The only sucks. reason it's this isn't good. in the bottom five for me opinion. is because Pearl fucking Harbor had to be. <laughs> that is the god. That We're not is, there yet. Know, well, that's I another know, month that's away. That's a bit of a spoiler, <laughs> but I, I couldn't let that lie anymore because I needed to justify the asshole I've just been. I pride the fact that Mr. Petros will come on and he'll have two people basically tell him to go fuck himself in a different way. I also got told to go fuck myself. That he's still going to leave this. He's going to leave this recording still liking ambulance. And that I is commendable. That. And then he had the balls to come on and have someone maybe tell. And I'm here to say Petros is fucking wrong, but you are as well. So you know, I'm Thanks, diplomatic. Dad. You know. All I've got to say to you is, <laughs> sailing, take me away. <laughs> we are now going to sail on to the tenth film, so we can shut this episode down. Number ten. Our non-virgin young hero returns for a third time, but this time around with a new sexual conquest by his side to once again save the world from alien robots who are led by Transformer Spock. For reasons that are very clear, they seem hellbent on destroying the city of Chicago. Look, there's non-stop CGI destruction porn, incoherent action scenes, and absolutely no character development. That's all made up for with a shit ton of fucking cool-ass explosions, big-ass titties. I'm talking about 2011's Transformers Dark of the Moon. I actually enjoyed this. This is the third one. Again, this is nonsensical. It is exactly as it says. CGI destruction porn. They are fucking up Chicago and that building scene and they're sliding down. Again, I want to see the behind the scenes of that. There's just some good old-fashioned fuck-up-the-world action with Leonard Nimoy playing a fucking... Which, 
Leonard Nimoy, if you did not know, is a cousin-in-law of Michael Bay. Oh, that is how he got into this fucking film. So he got Leonard Nimoy to play, I forget the guy's, whatever the robot's name was, it? Uh, Sentinel Prime. Look, this was uh, the one thing about the Transformers I keep saying. It's the ridiculous action. And you know what? A lot of times we don't get a whole lot of story. It's just like, hey, set piece to set piece to set piece. But sometimes his parents sprinkled in there with some fucking humor. And I can enjoy that. That was my problem with uh, Ambulance. For me, this was my number six. This falls for 10 for Petros and 13 for Steve. I enjoyed this a lot more. But again, I think a lot of this is because I like the Transformers as a kid. And so, for like you said, Petros, this is trash cinema. This is trash cinema at its finest with sci It's garbage. It's fun garbage, Steve. Fuck, you Sometimes you can have fun trash and it'd be cinema. garbage. I don't even know what the fucking you know description what? means. You know what movie you're not going to like then? Don't ever see Deadfall with Nicolas Cage. I have, you know. You're not going to enjoy it. It's fucking awful. And yet, it's fucking amazing. It's like The Room. You know, it's fucking terrible. But after you get past the point and go, there's some fun stuff about this. I enjoy this bullshit. You have to, I think, you have to be a Transformers fan to enjoy it. But you're not, so that's fine. So we're not even going to talk to you. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> How's that? So we're going <laughs> to... Mr. Petros, how do you feel about number three, which was the last Transformers movie you remember seeing or Bay movie you saw in the theaters until recent history? Probably until yeah. Ambulance or maybe yeah. 13 no, uh, hours. No, would have been Ambulance. would have been the, the, the last the, yeah, the one after he this. To say, he, this he is the end of the that. Shia LaBeouf era. From here, we go to Pain and Game. We start the Mark Wahlberg era of the Michael Bay Well, film I think arc. this is the point that Michael Bay should have walked away from the Transformers franchise, not to, to, to obviously, you know where fall for mm -hmm. for all of us now if if you're keeping up but um yeah it's it's fine it doesn't have some of the issues that two has but that that is that is down to the fact that two had no fucking script whatsoever like made during the like <laughs> wga strike of 2007 2008 where, like <laughs> this one it's got some stuff to kind of like to know like some of the human stuff and like just the fact that like <laughs> shia labeouf is who 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 is it who plays like the kind of uh human antagonist in this? Oh, uh, McDreamy, what's his fucking name? McDreamy he's like, from he's, uh, he's, like, he's, like, he's like he's like budget Eric Banner. Do you know the guy I'm talking about? Um, yeah, fuck. But when he spits in his face, it's like you know that fucking Shia LaBeouf actually did that, and it's like what a fucking like. What a balls and like none of none of these Transformers. I, I don't think any of these Transformers films are actually for kids. Like no, just like the Barbie movies, not for little girls. In in the same exact vein, like Barbie is not for little kids at all. Patrick Dempsey is the guy I'm thinking of who gets spat. Patrick Dempsey, that's who it is. Yes, that is correct. McDreamy for all you lady listeners, which I'm sure we have none, but we'll try. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. We'll be better. It's fine. Like it, it begs the question of like. What were like Francis McDormand and John Malkovich thinking? Do you know what I mean? Like, how did they? They weren't thinking. Is the yeah, fucking point? Like, <laughs> like John Malkovich. <laughs> and like, yet they give yeah, really good performances. That's what they do. And, you know what I mean? like, and yet they still get really good. Never given a bad performance. I understand that, but what I'm saying is, is even though they're in this ridiculous film, they're giving performances, which I can't believe you can't appreciate because we watched the fucking Bruce Willis video once, and we have a tough time figuring out who's the best performance in there. It's usually some fucking guy who is on the IMD pages in every 30 movies, and you're in here like, of course they do. Fuck off, Steve. Stop being a curmudgeon, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> you Good All Lord, right. we barely make it through these Bruce Willis ones. We got 30-something to go, and you're like, well, of course they did. Be happy we have John Malkovich in a fucking movie. We're not seeing John Malkovich on those movies, you fucking cocksucker. Sorry, Petros, I had to 
chastise him. No, no, no. Yeah, I just think... (laughs) This is is what I have to put up with, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All the time. And you're the just next like, recording, when you complain about you who's in it, it, I'm going to be like, well, I mean, it. John Malkovich is in a Bay movie. <laughs> I'm like, Mom and Dad, stop arguing, play. <laughs> stop shouting. I was surprised that both of them are in it, and I was surprised how short John Malkovich was in the film. Like, I was surprised was at how white. minimal he was in it. Like, should he not have gotten an award for pretending to be laying on the ground and being almost tickle killed by fucking Bumblebee? Should he not have gotten an award for pretending he could see whatever's above him? Because there's no robot above him until they see giant. I remember some guy with a tennis ball and he's laughing like a fucking kid out of his mind. And I was like, he is doing this with a tennis ball above him. Like Oscar. He should have got an honorary Oscar for that fucking ridiculousness in this ridiculous episode. I think what what will what will come apparent in, in the final episode is it gets to a point with these Transformers movies where, like, they kind of get interchangeable in my mind. Do you know what I mean? Like, especially watching them in, like, quick succession. And I'm like, I am here trying to, like, pass over in my mind of, like, is that from two or is that from three? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> How angry is Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, all I can say is thank God you mentioned Patrick Dempsey because that was my end. Because I didn't know what fucking movie yeah. we were talking about. <laughs> it's the one where Chicago gets destroyed. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty cool scene. When, when she, that building in Chicago bends over and they're all sliding. Like, that's a pretty fun scene. You, that's a great the kind action of robot sequence. design and stuff like that. You like have the to stuff like that. with like that kind of worm monster robot. Yeah, that's really yeah. fucking cool. And like when, when they're trying to yeah survive through that building, it's kind of like toppling and stuff. It's great. It's great. It's great action. It's just all the other stuff like Rosie Huntington Whiteley. Cannot act her way out of a paper bag like in this film. I love how they just sidestep that, where they're like, <laughs> we just went from a movie where he finally says, I love you, and two, and all that stuff, and all of a sudden, because Megan Fox called Michael Bay a fucking uh, sexual, you know, uh, like a fucking asshole, he cuts her out, and all of a sudden, they're just like, it's not even good dialogue. It's just basically, it's a little spiteful, like a high school shit. He's like, she's just a terrible person. Like, they wrote, he wrote this dialogue in to basically backhand her in the film to be like, that bitch is just awful person. Like, not one do we get that feeling in any of the two movies before? And he's like, fuck you, Megan Fox. I have the last thing because this is going up on screen. But then we get, we get like, her acting. It's just like, oh, Sam, are you upset? Well, you shouldn't be upset. You're trying to save the world with these robots. Do you not understand that my brother did something similar when he joined the army? I don't want you to go the same way. And it's like, really? Like, she's great. Great You're forgetting she also work. runs off in all white. She's in all white and all white heels, running from the from the uh, t- from the robot apocalypse, and doesn't get dirt, dust, a scuff mark, nothing. Pristine fucking white, unbelievable. She should have gotten a war for that. I don't know how they kept that white suit or how many they had of it, but that was a lot of money spent to keep those white pumps and all of that pristine. And why are women running in fucking heels in action movies? What the fuck? Yeah, Just it's take the, them it's off the Jurassic and go. What World the fuck? again, right? Like, let let women wear flats. Do you know what I mean? Let, let, I'm running in sensible heels. No, you're not. First of all, first step: ankle broken. You leave her behind. She's dead. That's it. She's trampled by the transformer. I actually think Steve would have liked the movie more if that happened rough debate. He went, whoa. Well, there, there, there are moments in this that are, are, are visually exciting. Like the stuff with the kind of like, is it like the halo jumps? Like the kind of like. Yeah. I actually watched behind the scenes of that. They actually did that. They actually found some guys on wingsuits. And Michael Bale's like, 
I want them in it because they were in some uh, documentary and they jumped out with like you know the GoPros and cameras on them and the helmet. Like that was some that was some yeah, cool that's... shit when they were actually they actually wingsuited through Chicago. Like that's real. That wasn't CGI. None of that stuff that they filmed of the wingsuit flying through Chicago was CGI. That was all yeah, practical. That's what I mean. That's when Michael Bay impressive. is doing like the what's what's new and exciting. Let me let let, let let's inject that into the film. It's just the fact of this is ultimate. This is prime. Like smash bang robots, yeah. Steve saw what I did there. Uh, this is kind of <laughs> and the fact that these films have this thing as well that they just can keep mining back into human history to give us like, oh, actually, it's because of the moon landing or like that. that, that and I, like, some like real like kind of like offensive shit in here where they're like basically like, oh, it's the. It's Chernobyl happened because of the because of Transformers. It's like you're gonna tell that to people of Ukraine. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I imagine this the, film the, the problem not. with the Transformers is they forget what they've yeah. said. It's like it's like it's like when the first Transformers happens, it's the first time they've landed on Earth, and then I was like, well, no, it was also the moon landing, and then by the time we get to the last, it's like, well, actually, back in the fucking, it's like so we could have stopped the first one way a long time ago. Like it just that's and that's where they fall apart is because. They don't have a cohesive story. So on their own merits as a single movie, there's a lot of fun action. As a series, it falls apart. Like I went to see, I made the mistake of seeing Rise of the Beast. Again, it just starts building new stuff again. You're like, wait a minute. All this other stuff happened too. Like when did, so the Rise of the Beast happened in 1990. So Bumble, the early events of last night happened for, of the last night happened first. Then the early events of Dark of the Moon happened. Then Bumblebee. Then the Rise of the Beast. Then Trans. It's just like yeah. fucking. They must have like that, <laughs> that crazy board behind where the the string is planted all over the fucking place, and they're just like, yes, that is. This is it. This is the yeah, Transformer multiverse. There's it all more happened. inconsistencies here than the DCEU. Jeremy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Steve, how much do you love this? I really dug the <laughs> intro, the the uh, the, the moon, the landing, moon yeah. landing and the Kennedy thing and all that. After that, fucking flush it, you know. But did you enjoy the action in Chicago? Like, like the action stuff. It's like watching cars fuck for two hours, you but know. You didn't like the, the destruction. Like, you don't enjoy some of that destruction porn where like they're sliding down the thing and then. Not really. I mean, okay. Um, okay it's not eight twenty four. I'm sorry. I mean, I guess we'll get you eight twenty four stuff. After this, you're going to go watch oh, yeah. Marcel on the Sea Show. I can already see it. Yep. Now, our new podcast, uh, folks, we're going to become the cheeky uh, bastards of A24. We'll have, uh, we'll be drinking uh, tea yeah. and pinkies out of all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, it's awesome. I, I know. I'm fucking with him. It's yeah. not a movie that Steve looks like he's going to watch. But apparently, it's highbrow, and he's more highbrow actually. action now. I apologize. I'm just like, no, I, I didn't enjoy this one. Um, I didn't. You haven't enjoyed anything I'm, since the first yeah, no, episode. I'm gonna, so. See, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Oh, I'm just going to keep this short. Because there are five you. movies left, and we have three more Transformers. So I think we all know where some of those Transformers fall. All right. <laughs> yeah, like... yeah, but listen, I wasn't that. I just wasn't that into this one because I, I thought it started off really promisingly with, like I say, the Kennedy stuff and the moon land and stuff. I was, and that was some great imagery um, on the moon with the spaceship on there and everything. I was like, because I mean. You've got to remember this. When I wa I'm watching these for the first time, I didn't even know the LaBeouf and that British coos were going to be even in it. She was um, she is terrible. absolutely mm -hmm. right. She is She's absolutely awful. Awful. Mm -hmm. They could have the amount of actresses they could have hired for this part. 
He could have just not had who a love interest. In I don't know. Maybe someone who could act. I don't know. I'm, I'm no authority. The only reason she's know? in the film was for the first few minutes where she walks out in sexy underwear or whatever, and we have to believe that Shia LaBeouf is banged, has, has captured two hot women in a row, like out of the blue, because he's saving the world. He gets well, more, more. We know we're in fantasy world already, don't we? For saving the world than anyone else has ever gotten in the yeah. history of pussy. Um, but, you know, like I say, the rest, I, I just. It's just unexceptional. It's just like you know when you say about like that wormy thing, like you're like, yeah, okay, but is that's not that's not enough for me to like a movie. We're not saying you should like the movie because of that, but did you enjoy some of the scenes? Like there are things in each movie, even in Ambulance, I enjoyed some scenes or some cool things that I enjoyed about it, but I didn't like the film. You can still enjoy sequences and hate films. That uh, have we not figured this out yet? Or? I'd rather enjoy a film if I'm going to sit there for two hours and 45 fucking minutes. These films are way, these films are way too long. Let's address oh, that. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, 100%. Two hours and 45 minutes. I haven't told you. I said there's times you forget what part of the movie. You forget where you came in. Like I, like I say, mercifully, um, Petros told me Patrick Dempsey was in this. Well, otherwise, I would have been a bit like. Well, we. I uh, will give you clues anyway, in the next episode of where we. Yeah, you're going to need to. But anyway, so yeah, for me, fucking flush it. That's a shame because I like the intro, but then it kind of didn't deliver on that. It didn't deliver on that promise for me. So yeah, ah, oh, the wormy thing was cool, but yeah, that's like what four minutes of the movie. Come on, man, must try harder. So there you have it, folks. The Bay from Michael Bay's filmography. And if episode two is any indication of what we're in store for for episode three, Stephen has woken up on the curmudgeon side. He may need a quick nap and then uh, a month off to get this done. But we are going to say goodbye to Mr. Pat Syllabus until next month. It is now time for Steve and I to induct four more films into the illustrious top 100 films of all time. And I think there may be one or two Transformer films coming to Steve's lists. The Cheeky Bastards Top 100 Films of All Time. All right, Mr. Smith. We've reached the midway of our BAM, and we're still both alive. Oof, but now that, that we've once again cast off Mr. Petros Petsilovus, so he can go cry into a bowl of cereal while re-watching Ambulance and shaking his fist at you, we are going to now cover... <laughs> Our four new inductees as we start the second half of the next 50. We will start with films 51 through 54 being inducted into our top 100 films of all time. I have the privilege of kicking us off. And my first inductee this month, film number 51, comes from 1995. And it is Seven, directed by David Finchner. This is a dark and gripping masterpiece of the crime thriller genre. This film takes viewers on a chilling journey into the depths of human depravity, making it an unforgettable and thought-provoking cinematic experience. At its core, Seven is a cat-and-mouse detective story following two detectives, the seasoned and world-weary Somerset, played to perfection by Morgan Freeman, and the impulsive and eager Mills, played by Brad Pitt, in a truly pretty boy mold-breaking performance. They are tasked with solving a series of gruesome murders in a bleak and rain-soaked city. The killer, who uses the seven deadly sins as his modus operandi, leaves behind a trail of horrifying crime scenes that are both gruesome and artistically disturbing. Finchner's directing is nothing short of brilliant, creating an atmosphere of unrelenting tension and dread throughout the film. 
The cinematography and production design contribute to the film's dark and gritty aesthetics, immersing viewers into a world that feels as bleak as the crimes themselves. The performances in Seven are exceptional. Morgan Freeman's portrayal of Somerset as a jaded detective on the verge of retirement adds depth to the character, while Brad Pitt's portrayal of the hot-headed Mills provides a compelling contrast. Kevin Spacey delivers a haunting and unforgettable performance as John Doe, the methodical and deranged serial killer. The film's exploration of the human condition and the nature of evil is both disturbing and thought-provoking. It challenges viewers to confront uncomfortable questions about morality and the consequences of their actions. The climax of the film is a shocking and gut-wrenching revelation that lingers long after the credits roll. Seven is a dark and uncompromising cinematic experience that isn't for the faint of heart. It's a testament to David Finchner's skill as a filmmaker and storyteller, as well as the outstanding performances of the cast. Seven is a must-watch crime thriller that will keep you on the edge of your seat and leave you pondering its themes long after it's over. And it now takes its rightful place in our top 100 films of all time. This movie announced to me that David Finchner was not to be fucked with. He was going to be a true auteur of the young generation that came out with the Tarantinos, the Paul Thomas Andersons, the Rodriguez's, that whole 90s group, the new Hollywood. You know, we had the Spielbergs and we had the Coppolas and the Scorseses from the 70s. He was announcing himself as I'm a part of this new, whatever you want to call them, Brat Pack of the, the times, 1990s. The times they were a changing. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. What a, what a film. What a fucking film. So did he, he did Alien 3 before this? He did, and I, I enjoy Alien 3. I don't think it's a terrible film. I, I enjoyed Alien 3. I like the whole prison world aspect of it. You know, it's not as... Well, he got ma he got majorly fucked over by the oh, studio on that. Yeah, so. imagine if he could have made it now without the uh, interference, well, you know? you know. Yeah, so he did Alien 3, but then he hits this. I mean, and then he comes out a couple of years later with Fight Club, and that's fucking it. And away we go, as they say. He just fucking Absolutely. took off. No, it's a classic, I say. And... It's actually perfectly timed because this is October and his new movie, The Killer. Yes. Should be fucking out. Yes. I'm very pumped very for that. Exciting. So Yeah. Well he's um you know, he this is a to me anyway, this is a horror this is a horror movie. This oh, is like yeah. um yeah. Well what they tend to do with films like this, I always think, is I would say the same about Science of the Lambs. Where yes. they don't when I say they, I mean them, you know, the big cats. They don't like to give films to the horror community once they're successful. So they try and write it up as a, a thriller, a psychological yeah. horror. <laughs> like They'll be like, it's a psychological horror thriller. And you're like, if this film would have bombed at the box office, it would have been a horror movie. Yeah, but now yeah. you want a piece of the action. You want a piece of the pie. Now it's a horror thriller or a psychological horror thriller, you know. So, But to me, this is a horror movie. This is this is this was a game changer, you know. I don't think any thriller was the same after this movie. A lot of copycats it, after this. There are a lot of copycats out there, but that again, that is a sign of oh, just 100%, how influential. Hundred percent. It was yes, so sir. for me, yeah, absolutely. So yes, seven, absolutely amazing film. All right, Mr. Smith, what is your first induction? Making it number fifty-two. Give us the lowdown. Okay, so from two thousand and fourteen. I introduce a film called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Now, I, did, I don't do this often, but I was, I was over on um, Rotten Tomatoes mm. and I noticed this has got a critic rating of 96% and an audience rating of 75%. But, I, you know, that was just a little tidbit that I, I was quite surprised at its popularity because I because uh, it all will be revealed anyway. <laughs> that was just a little tidbit. But A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is directed by Iranian filmmaker Anna Lily Amirpour, and it follows 
a lonesome vampire known only as the girl. As she stalks and preys upon men who exploit and take advantage of women in the fictional town of Bad City in Iran. The girl's life takes a dramatic shift, however, when she meets Arash, a local boy whose father is a heroin addict. Arash, unlike the other men in Bad City, gains the trust and respect of the girl, and the two slowly fall for one another, though Arash remains oblivious to her being a vampire. Through this occasionally horrific and occasionally romantic story, Amir Poor sparks an important discussion on the treatment and objectification of women by men particularly within Iran. Now, through the movie, our heroine is dressed in a shador, which is a clear representation of a vampire's cape, and she rides a skateboard instead of the supernatural way that a vampire would usually hover or glide. Filmed in crisp black and white and full of incredible music, from euphoric pop to spaghetti western soundtracks, this is a stunning debut, clearly influenced by Jim Jarmusch and David Lynch. So that is my induction my first induction for this month. I highly recommend it. This is a very intriguing film. I'm already intrigued. This well, sounds a little bit like um, Let the Right One In or Let well, Me In has, uh, has, a, has a vibe. I think, um, I, th- I think that was first, wasn't it? I think Let the Right One In came before It was, this. and then I think Let Me In came in right before, right before this. But, however... That being said, it has a vibe, but I don't think it. From what you're saying, it doesn't have the same story. Like you know, you got the young boy, that gonna, kind of thing. Yeah, but it, I was going to mention. I was going to mention. Let the right one in. Do you know what's what? The, what is the same in this? Is kind of the vampire girl in, in question mm-hmm. of both films is lonely. Yes. You know. And, yeah. And it, so in your film, she doesn't have anyone. In the other film, is the young boy she met years ago, decades ago. When she she's was now, days, he's now older now, gone. she's kind of, but now it's time looking for a, to recycle looking for a almost new, thing. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, she's lonely and she kind of wants love. Ooh. And, yeah. you know, you've also got this vigilante vibe in it mm. where she's going after, Nasty you know, people. she's going after these bad men who are, like I say, exploiting the women, turning them into prostitutes, hooking them on heroin. Um, it was also produced by Spectrevision, which is Elijah yep. Wood's production company. Did Mandy, Mandy, so on, Color, Color Space, Space yeah, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, I just fell in love. You know, sometimes you fall in love with a movie, and what what I love about when that happened, I does, you know, I love a lot of movies. I like a lot of movies, but to really sort of like really fall in love with a movie, I just love that that still happens. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you still get that that rush. Mm-hmm. And I just I knew she's done other things since then. She's done a few other films since then. She's, she's made films with Kanye Reeves. She did a film called The Bad Batch, mm, yes. which is on Netflix. Yep. That's got... Um, Keanu Reeves and... Keanu Reeves, uh, Jim Carrey. Yep. Um, what's the guy from the from Aquaman? Jason Momoa. Uh, Jason Momoa. Yep. And that's hardcore stuff too. She, you know, she's, she mm-hmm. loves her movie. She, you can tell she's like a Tarantino in the sense that she clearly loves movies mm-hmm. she's clearly grown up watching all the right movies <laughs> and, and she's also got that knack of placing mu- great music in her movies mm. you know she's not the same as tarantino but she is a, she is at that level of confidence mm. in what she does and she's got she's got her own unique personality and that really shines through. And I, I did say that she, she's clearly influenced by Jim Jarmusch and David Lynch. But I will say this. If you made your first movie or I made my first movie, you would throw in everything you could. Because Absolutely. Because you, A, you're amazed you're getting to make your film. And B, you don't know if you're ever going to get to make another one. So she has gone all out on this. This, this is a lovely, really lovely film. Because it is a love story. 
but it is dark and it has got that crazy imagery of a Jarmusch movie. Track it down because, you know, I just think it's a, it's, a, it's a mind blower. You know, it's a modern yeah. movie that's still doing unique little things. So that is my first induction this month. All right. That brings us to my second, our third of the month, and number 53, for those of you keeping track at home. Mine is from 2004, and it is Man on Fire. Directed by Tony Scott, this film is a gripping and emotionally charged action thriller that combines heart-pounding action sequences with a compelling character-driven narrative. Starring the amazing Denzel Washington in one of his most intense roles as John Creasy, a former CIA operative battling personal demons and alcoholism. He is hired as a bodyguard in Mexico City for a young girl named Lupita Ramos, played beautifully by a young Dakota Fanning. Their unlikely bond forms the emotional core of this film. As Creasy, initially detached and cynical, gradually becomes a father figure to young Peta. Their relationship is beautifully portrayed, and the chemistry between Washington and Fanning is outstanding. Man on Fire masterfully balances moments of quiet tenderness with explosive action. When Peta is kidnapped, Creasy's transformation into a relentless avenger sets the stage for a series of intense and visceral action sequences. Tony Scott's direction, characterized by his signature visual style, keeps the audience engaged and on the edge of their seats. Denzel's performance is a tour de force. He brings depth and complexity to a character who is both haunted by his past and fiercely protective of young Peta. Washington's portrayal captures the character's vulnerability and ruthlessness in equal measure, making Creasy a deeply relatable and compelling protagonist. Man of Fire is not just your typical action movie. It's a story of redemption, sacrifice, and the lengths to which one person will go to protect someone they love. The film's emotional depth, combined with its thrilling action sequences, makes it a standout in the genre. If you're looking for a movie that combines adrenaline-pumping action with genuine heart and emotion, Man of Fire is a must-see, and it now resides in our top 100 films of all time. It's my second yes. induction of a Tony Scott film. True Romance being the first, and now Man on Fire being the second. Yeah, I really want to see this again, actually. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, I'm a fan of Tony Scott. I'm a fan of Denzel. You've got Mickey Rourke, Christopher Walken. Yeah. Dakota, what's her name? What's the kid's name? Dakota Sorry. Fanning. Oh, a young Dakota, Dakota, yeah, Dakota Fanning. She's, she's amazing. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Yeah. She's excellent. She in this. Is. Yeah. She's so natural. Yeah, you, you feel that, that the, the bridge exchange... You know, that's it's yeah. heart heart wrenching. Heart yes, wrenching. It is. Yeah, no, it's a great, you know. I wish you had more time. Like some of the stuff he does, you're just like, whoa, like the the lengths he goes to to fuck these people up. It's a fucking awesome. And yeah. yet very realistic. And Denzel is just I mean, he's what, two, three years after he's just released, you know, his Oscar performance in Training Day. I think he goes from that to this and beautiful. Just a completely different character. But I don't know. Denzel, he just knows how to fucking act. Right? Yeah. He's just fucking I mean, I, unrelated. I mean, I, I much prefer Ethan, Ethan Hawke in Training Day than Denzel. Yeah, personally. that's fine. You can be wrong. I'm I'm not, uh, no, no, it's just a matter of being more informed. But um, <laughs> no, no I, for some reason, I, but in this, I, I'm more on... I'm more in the Denzel camp in this than I am training day, but I'm a big Ethan Hawke fan, so, you know, it's just one of those yeah. things. But anyway, this is a great movie. Yeah, it's just the total balls to Yeah, the it's fucking, fucking awesome. Yeah. Tough guy, fucking flip, yeah. man. And you've got to yeah. love that shit. And you so believe, and you believe in the revenge of it, right? Like, like oh, yeah. they, they and, do and a great job of taking, our t- of taking the time to get to those moments where he finally flips the switch and that's it. You know, I'm going to do what I need. Yeah. This, this no, is my, my mission, yeah. Absolutely. All right, my friend, take us home. With number 54. Okay, number 54. Ladies and gentlemen, from 1962, The Manchurian Candidate, directed by John Frankenheimer. 
Now, after saving the lives of his platoon during the Korean War, Sergeant Raymond Shaw is hailed as a bona fide American hero. This couldn't have come at a better time for his mother, who is hell-bent on boosting the career of his stepfather, a senator straight from the McCarthyite wing of the US political spectrum with designs on the presidency. But why does Shaw's former captain have reoccurring nightmares that suggest that his distinguished comrade might not be all that he seems? Now, The Manchurian Candidate is based on the paranoid bestseller by Richard Condon and has become one of the greatest Cold War suspense thrillers of all time and remains disturbingly relevant to this very day. I'm a big Frankenheimer fan, actually. This is the... Well, there's actually another one of his maybe finding his way into the top 100, but we'll get back to that another time. Well, this was a remake as well, which is interesting because it's a very synergetic time because Denzel Washington played the lead. Yeah, and uh, Lee Schreiber is... Well, right, so Lawrence Harvey is is the lead. Mm -hmm. Do you know what? Lawrence Harvey, he's not really the lead in the film. Frank Sinatra yep. is the captain, is kind of the lead, because we're we're seeing everything through his mm-hmm. eyes, really. And but Lawrence Harvey is kind of um I kind of consider him to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator. He's got that ro- he's a mm-hmm. robot. He's been turned into a robot. Because this film is all about brainwashing, mm-hmm. basically. Um and Robert Shaw's captain, who's played by Frank Sinatra, he's beginning to come out of all this brainwashing stuff. And he's beginning to put the pieces together as to what's really going on. Now, I was surprised I found out that... Um, right, so the film had a 2.2 million budget. Half of that... Well, went Sinatra, to Sinatra, of course, yep. <laughs> hey. Oh, and, um, oh, blue eyes over here. <laughs> the film was wrongly rumoured to have been removed from the public guide by Sinatra because of the Kennedy assassination. Um, in fact, it was no longer promoted because the public had, had no interest in watching bleak movies after the shocking events of the Kennedy assassination. So that, so that, that, that was all just not true. But also Sinatra had starred in a film called Suddenly in 1954, which was another film about presidential assassination. So there's some kind of... Oh, I don't know, maybe Frankie Boy will be, huh? Maybe he was Maybe. <laughs> maybe he was but, the third. Um, he was the guy in the grassy knoll. Yeah, but well, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a whole other Now, story. I've seen both versions, and look, I like the remake, but... I enjoyed the other one as well. I, I just, I, when I, it's a fantastic film, but the whole narrative is fantastic. Such a yeah, great well, movie. Both. I like, I, I mean, Jonathan Demi did the remake. And like yeah. you say, you've got, you've got Denzel, you've got Lee Schreiber, you know, you've got a great cast. I think they up, did they update it to being the Gulf yes, War? Yes, Gulf War, yes. Yep. That's right. Um, and, and I think Lee Schreiber's character was going to become the vice president. He was the vice presidential nominee for, with the president. I forget who played the president. Or you know who was in the running? They were, yeah, they, yeah. Well, and then Denzel's character is supposed to he's the, kill. He's the Sinatra character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get away the rest of the movie, but no, he's supposed to kill. Of, they do yeah. play with it a bit. Oh, they it's do phenomenal. Play with it a bit. Yeah. So it's, well, no, it's just so it's not like why am I watching this? It's just the same yeah. movie. Just yeah. So they do play around with it, so yeah. you aren't watching exactly the same thing. Well, because you can't keep the Cold War going on because the, I mean, at this time when they come out it was early two thousands, the Cold War is over. Yeah. So, but no, I just mean like the character of Lee Schreiber yeah. and Denzel playing the Sinatra and the Lawrence Harvey roles. They kind of mix the characters up a bit, I think, so that mm-hmm. they don't do exactly the same things they did in the original. So that kind of keeps it interesting, so that you're not just thinking, "Why am I just watching the same <laughs> film again with Denzel yeah. and Lee Schreiber?" You, they do play around with it a bit. 
But it's kind of like the incestuous thing with his mom. Because Angela Lansbury plays Lawrence Harvey's mother in the film. And at the time they made the film, she was only three years older than him. <laughs> but there's kind of an incestuous yeah. vibe going on with her. And, you know, and he has to play... <laughs> when, when they tell him to go play a game of solitaire, that's kind of like his cue to go under the hypnosis. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's ahead of his time. It's a, at the same time as being a product of his time with what was going on. But, you know, I just I just think Frankenheim is kind of an underrated director. He brought us some really great stuff. So and this actually another little tidbit is I think this is the, apparently the first American film to have a kung fu fight. Oh. And that's between um, Frank Sinatra and Henry Silver, who plays some like heavy like, goon type who's sent to shutting the fuck up. <laughs> but I think that's true. Something along them lines. So that's, that's my second choice uh, for this month. Good choices. Uh, track it. If you, haven't, you know what? If you haven't seen it, track it down. And if that's difficult to find just watch the remake which came out it's in 2004 good. believe it or not i checked that up oh. so he brought man on fire and manchurian candidate did a couple Whoa, of man movies not insane that's not, <laughs> not a bad that's release. not bad no. yeah yeah so if you can't get the original just track down the remake because it's, it's still good stuff but there you go thank you very much so there you go 51 through 54 we've got from 1995 7 from 2014 a girl walks home alone at night from 2004 man on fire and from 1962 the manchurian Candidate. That will do it for part two of our Bayhem Unleashed Season 2 kickoff extravaganza. We want to thank our special guest, Patrick Pat Silvis, for joining us. Now you can find the links to all of his endeavors and socials in the show notes. We'd also like to thank Mr. Ryan Rebelkin for adding us to a stable of shows that are dedicated to the action genre over on the Last of the Action Heroes Podcast Network. Now you can find all the links to all of our Cheeky Bastard endeavors in our show notes. So we hope you'll join us again next month for the dramatic conclusion of our explosive journey through Michael Bay's filmography as we cover what we're calling the ugly section of it with films 11 through 15. And be sure to join us again in two weeks to check out our latest episode of Dropping a Bruce, available on the Last of the Action Nerds Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, stay explosive, my friends. That's a wrap on this month's show. Please feel free to join in on the debate by following the show on the show's socials, which can be found in the show's notes. If any of you found any of the opinions expressed in this episode to be offensive, we kindly ask that you go fuck yourself. However, if by some miracle you did enjoy the show, like a well-adjusted mature fucking adult, then please feel free to join us again next month to hear Scott or Steve take a shit on something you hold dear. So until next time, remember, opinions are like assholes. They're full of shit and stink. Unless, of course, they're yours. This has been a man with an exceptional beard production.